Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I have my hot priest candle lit. I'm drinking out of my hot priest mug that says Neil on the back. And our guest today, I'm very excited because we worked together almost two years ago. And when we talked about it, we were kind of like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> anyway, please welcome Nick Rayberger. <laughs> can you hear that? I can hear that. Can I have no- I've never been introduced uh, with vomiting before, so that's that's fun. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It, you know what? It won't be the last time. <laughs> Just that's imagine. what everyone says. Yeah. Nick Rayburger. Blah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I already showed him his mug, and for the two people out there listening, I joke. I say it's two people. It could be more. We're, we're holding up our fiddler mugs. Fiddler on the roof. L'chaim. Can I just um, say the amount of people who ask me what does L'chaim mean? Really? And it wasn't even L'chaim. I'm Jewish, so I have the chuch. Yeah. Um, they would say L'chaim. Like, what does L'chaim mean? And I say, watch the show. You'll find out. Wow, I, in, yeah. in almost two years of being in that show, I, I never had anybody say that to me. I also had a lot of like, I saw Zero Must Style do this. And it's like, now you're going to go see Danny Burstein do it. <laughs> People said that to Danny at the stage door. And Danny, yeah. gracious, kind man that he is, would be like, yes, wonderful. <laughs> By the way, like if you have a hookup for Danny Burstein coming onto my podcast, like I will okay. be committed. No, seriously, okay. because like, he's one of my favorite people, like my top going theater experiences. One of them is him and Beth Level and Drowsy. Oh, and that is where my like deep love for Danny Burstein has started right. and it has never withered. I, he's such oh. a mensch. I want him to play my father in something or just wow. in life. No offense he's, to my dad no. or my stepdad, yeah. right. um, whom I both love very much, but like Danny Burstein, I just want as my father. I know <laughs> he, is, he is the community's father and he's, everything yeah. you'd want him to be at all moments of yeah. time i mean i've met him at like stage doors before but you know yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think i would just like stare at him the whole time like i am talking to danny burstein anyway right. yeah so would that to you Maybe yeah like, to me yeah. sure just that look of admiration yeah. anyway but i did tell nick that i have been waiting a very very long time to have somebody come onto my podcast so i can use that fiddler mug i think i have Maybe I got rid of the shirt, but I think I have the sweatshirt somewhere still. I do too. Yeah. yeah. And I bought the mug because I actually, I thought the artwork was really beautiful with like the gold yeah. fishes. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And like NBD, but because I did merch there, I did get a cast and crew discount, which you did too, I'm sure, unless they gave it to you for free. We got, we did get a few things for free, but. And let me tell you, those scarves were great. I know. Yeah. I don't know what the thing is, but it's somewhere in storage. Yeah, I have a rent scarf from like when I was in eighth grade, like hidden somewhere in my apartment. Rent. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know that musical? I thought you said uh, red and I was like, cool, cool. That red too. Scarf. Yeah, the play. They just like sold scarves. It had nothing to do with the show. <laughs> sold scarves. Anyway, Nick, hi, how are you? Uh, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm really good, actually. I'm really good. You just came back yeah. from playing Robert, the bridegroom, who is here to yeah. marry Janet. Yes, here to things lead- Oh, speaking of like Drowsy Chaperone, <laughs> connections. Anyway, one of the best shows of all time. So funny. You kind of, like, I sometimes forget how brilliant that show actually is. Oh. And then I like listen to the cast recording. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the most brilliant show in the history of the world. It's also like a little over 90 minutes. Everybody has like their one main thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I could do that show for like five years. 
Did you have to learn how to roller skate for that? Um, learn is a generous term. I had to, I had to be able to uh, like roller skate around the stage. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, imagine I had roller skated and also like ice skated in the past growing up in Michigan. So it wasn't horrible. Although I did say that I, with a lot of confidence, I was like, oh, I used to ice skate, like I can roller skate. And then the first day I put the, the skates on in rehearsal, I just like fell all over the place and they were like, oh, interesting. But by the end of it, I mean, the, the whole goal of that song is to, to look like you're blindfolded and, and that you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Um, so there was a point at which <clears throat> I was skating too well and they had to tell me to skate less well. So like, I remember did. the first day of rehearsal where you were not great? Go back yeah. to that. Yeah. Go back to that. No, I was making a joke of what they probably were saying to you in the room. I was like, for my confidence, yes, that's where it is normally. No, um, yes. I'm not directing you right now. It's fine. That was almost so eager. So eager for the note. Did you see that? Oh, no. (laughs) What is that from? What is going on with my hair? Sorry. I'm Um, a girl. I'm looking at my hair. (laughs) That's why I just cut all my hair off. Um, I'm not, I'm letting it grow. So, yeah. I have like the pandemic blank pair and I'm like, this looks good. So I'm keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had that. I had the long hair during Fiddler. So I went through that phase. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember like everything about that show. So it what did like, you ask me? Like, I don't, you said something about a note and I said, what oh, is that from? Roller skating, drowsy chaperone. I just did the drowsy chaperone in yes. Franklin, Massachusetts, with the sweetest, best group of people in the world. Mm-hmm. I got to tap dance, which I haven't done since I was a kid well since I was in college I asked this of everyone and I'm sure because you said you listened to the Cobra podcast can you do a time step oh yeah okay yeah and and actually I have overconfidence that I can teach you how to do a time step (laughs) even though you said a bunch of times in that podcast that you can't I I still I like physically I so god oh my god probably almost nine years ago god age um, I worked at a dance studio on the Upper West Side and I even had like five-year-olds try to teach me a time step and mm. my body just like can't physically do one. Okay. If you can actually teach me a time step, I will buy you a drink. Okay. We're going to yeah. put that to the test. Okay. But yeah, so I, I tap was the first thing I ever did. Honestly, <laughs> I started when I was five mm-hmm. and I, I've never been a good dancer and I'm not to this day, but I can make pretty good tap sounds. So it's By just a way, matter of having you. You're welcome. The sound know, of thanks. sirens. Yeah, they're they're tearing up all the tiles in my lobby. So um we're we're in good company there. Uh you know what, you know what I say? New York. New York. You New know York. it's part of the experience. Yeah. Um yeah, so I've I tapped since I was a little kid and I kind of stopped on and off and I was in beginner dance of everything else except advanced tap in college. So tap well, is the where I feel like we're like jumping to what I usually ask. <laughs> we're just yeah, like, I'm, I'm here for the order of operations. Go it's on. Okay. I do have a weird order, but it goes out of order. And then anyway, so, so you're from Michigan. So I usually start with like, where are you from? And then, you know, Michigan, where I'm holding up my hand, like the mitten. I'm from Michigan. I'm right in the middle of the, the, the okay. bottom of the mitten Eastland. I only know this from rock of ages. Oh, you is, that, is it me? Is it my internet? Sorry, you froze. So I'm like, is it my internet that you froze? Are we back? You're back. Yeah, we're here. We're alive. We're good. 
Um, yeah, so Lansing is the capital of Michigan, but it's not much of a, a, a capital. <laughs> um, it's a, but you know, it was a great place to grow up. Very like Midwest and and safe and easy. Yeah, and... Weird that when you said capital, I just thought of the Hunger Games. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's that's not where my mind went, but I that's good. That's where mine <laughs> And then I then I just remembered like seeing one of the movies with my friends. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the AMC Lincoln Center. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you know how like each theater was or is at one point. No, it still is, but they just numbered it. They have like different, oh, you're in the Capitol room, you're in the King. Yeah. yeah. So she and I went to see one of the Hunger Game movies in the Capitol Theater. So the irony was just not lost on us. Anyway. Right. So, so <laughs> safe Midwest. Yeah, very great. Luckily, mm-hmm. went to a public high school, like a football high school that happened to have a very great theater program there are like one of those people who like played football and then like injured themselves and took theater absolutely not no no I was a I was a band kid I was a kid who tapped when he was little so Mm -hmm. yeah no no um (laughs) but yeah so I uh let's see where do I where do I start with that um so let's talk about what made you want to go into dance or at least tapping that's so funny that we're talking about dance as though it's something I do. Um, you know, I, I really, I really well, don't. Because the time step I thing is brought up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do know. It's because that was like the kind of stuff that I loved when I was a little kid. My favorite movie, I think still to this day, is Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Gene Kelly. Um, and I loved every night when I was little, I'd watch the Lawrence Welk show with my parents. Did you ever watch that? old Dutch guy with, uh, and he had all these, like, I think he's Dutch. Um, he had like people do ballroom dancing and play instruments. And he was also a band leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So that kind of like old style of, of, of performance was what I grew up loving. And I wanted to learn how to tap. I never like became a good dancer, but that was kind of my, my way in, I think at the beginning. And then I started playing the French horn in middle school. And that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in an orchestra and um, all, but all my friends were in choir and I didn't sing and I didn't think I could sing. Mm-hmm. And, but I wanted to be with all my friends. So I joined choir and I mouthed the words in the back um, and I didn't actually do it. I just liked to be there with my friends. And then kind of, you know, after that, all of them were doing the musicals and I did the same thing. Audition for one, I sang happy birthday and they let me in because there weren't enough guys. <laughs> and um, Welcome I, to school musical theater. Exactly. And I mouthed the words in that first one. And then I realized what that was it was the actually- the first musical really, you were in? It was, <laughs> it was a, a musical written for middle schoolers called Crazy Camp with two Ks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I realized that I really liked it. And so I started taking voice lessons and I realized that I actually could sing. And because I had like, you know, so much music and dance training- you know, again, I'm saying dance uh, with a generous heap of, of uh, something. Loosely, yeah. Right. Um, that it ended up being something that I really loved. And uh, I think Cobra said a similar thing where like the first time I realized it was something people could do was when I went to pre, uh, I, I didn't do pre-college at Carnegie Mellon. I did the pre-college at U of M, which was called Impulse. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, they kind of taught you that you can audition for colleges for this and stuff like that. And that was where I realized that I could do it as a career. And so throughout high school, did you do the musicals and everything as well? I did the musicals, I did the plays, I did marching band and concert band. And yeah. You sound like somebody I went to high school with. 
Did she do the musicals? I think so. Anyway, so you went to University of Michigan, correct? Not, I did not. Um, oh, I went uh, their um, summer program, and then I went to Carnegie Mellon. Same I as think Andrew. I got confused because you're from Michigan, and yep. so many Broadway performers have come from yeah. Michigan University or University yeah. of Michigan. I, have, I really I, wanted to go there because that yeah. was my, that was my like, you know, North Star. It was like people who go into this career go to U of M because that was all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so happy I got into Carnegie Mellon, not because, I mean, it, U of M is an incredible school, but I just think it was a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And it got me away from Michigan for a little bit and, and gave me some, you know, perspective and a little bit away from my family and, and everything. And I think that was healthy for me. Did you audition for University of Michigan? Like what schools did you audition for and what made you ultimately decide on Carnegie Mellon? I auditioned for like seven schools. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't remember all of them, it's fine because you don't have to. Carnegie Mellon, University of Michigan, Penn State, Syracuse, Ithaca, um, think maybe one one other that I can't remember right now off the top of my head but um and I'm um, not to sound whatever but I got into all of them except for University of Michigan <laughs> which was um you know crushing to me at the time but in retrospect was actually like kind of incredible mm-hmm. and um and ended up I think like kind of leading me on the right the, the right path for me um it was you know it was a different time and it, it was definitely easier for men boys to get into college programs yeah (laughs) I'm just like looking back of like my years in college I wasn't in musical theater although I auditioned for it um and I was just trying to be like wait what what males were in the programs like what men that's where my mind is going Yeah. yeah yeah I mean we you know there were an equal amount for us but I do think there was probably less competition to be a guy in a musical theater program than there was a woman I don't know that that's true anymore I don't know because I'm so far away removed from the college yeah. stuff because I yeah. told you my age earlier but um yeah. <laughs> 25 yes plus we're, we're good at going on tangents um I told you the- it happens <laughs> what was the question <laughs> oh um, we were talking about colleges so what do you have um I I didn't get in I got in academically because I was a goody two-shoes good student um and I was very lucky that my parents were okay with me going out of state. Um, I got a scholarship, but you know, it was, it was still more than, than that would have been. And um, they were really supportive of that, which was, which was great. Um, Yeah. And I, I loved going to Carnegie Mellon. I loved it there. So wait, you didn't get into the musical theater. Okay. So then did you, you did or didn't? I did at Carnegie Mellon. Oh, okay. So wait, what were you saying that you didn't get into a program? U of M. Oh, you just asked me if I if oh. I went to U of M and I would just I didn't get in there for for musical theater. Yeah. Anyway, but you got in for like academically though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Anyway, Carnegie Mellon. How was okay. that for you? Great. It was a it was a really good program. Um, it you know it was very challenging, especially as a kid who had only done high school theater and and didn't have, you know, any sort, I didn't go to a performing arts school or anything like that. So um, it was, I mean, the, the process there, and I think it's changed a bit, but the process there at the time was definitely like tear you down to build you back up. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was great. I was a pretty like sheltered kid and, and I, um, I just loved 
acting and singing and and I think it it gave me like a technique and it gave me skills and tools and knowledge and and um certainly friends I mean the the alumni outreach of that school is really amazing and and the showcase you know the the way that they kind of get you into the city is really amazing um so yeah I think it was it was it was pretty uh pretty lucky for me to to get in there yeah because you booked Glass Menagerie like that was in English Glass Menagerie like right out of college yeah right out of college let's let's talk about that experience (laughs) yeah you're gonna ever be in Harry Potter because you know John Tiffany oh that's my dream um that's my dream I haven't I haven't (laughs) I think right now I'm, I'm too old to play the kids and I'm too young to play the adults Mm-hmm. Um, again, if that's even if anyone would let me in there, which I doubt. Give me ensemble. It's fine. Just shave. Oh, and I'm like, absolutely. I don't know if you're gonna grow if you look younger with longer hair. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going for older. I think that's that's where I'm that's where I'm heading now. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was what was the question? Oh, is John Tiffany gonna put me in Harry Potter? Remains to be seen. Uh, but you know, going off of that, it was pretty funny. I had great teachers in college, but I was definitely and Andrew said a similar thing. Um, I was always the guy who played the the older men, the, mm-hmm. the character parts, you know. And so even in college, they were like, you know, you're a good actor, but be prepared to not be an actor for a while because you'll probably have your career start, you know, in 10, 20 years. And I was like, okay, I love doing this. So yeah, I'll take- I had that too. I remember I did uh, Trojan Women in college and oh, yeah. I pretty much just got in because I was a girl. And I was in pre-show, they had um, assault scenes and I was in one of them. And the costume designer, who was like the costume person of the program, they were trying to figure out like who to make old. And they were like, oh, do you want to play an old person? And I was like, I get assaulted in the show. And this is probably the only time I'm not going to be playing an old person in my pace career. So no. Oof, oof. to my junior year I get cast as like an older I mean very much me like a 60 Long Island accent Jewish woman so my essence minus the 60 year oldness <laughs> <laughs> and ever since I was people like one of the people in the department just like saw me as an older person and then yeah. luckily, like this person I was friends with at the time cast me in Dog Sees God. And I kind of did like a fuck you to that guy because like I can play <laughs> somebody who's not old. So, right. Yeah. But I, but get I guess it. like honestly, I, I was I that that was what I loved to do. Like I didn't have any desire to be like the hot young guy in a musical or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so but then all that to say, when I got that show a month out of school, it was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, there, there is like a place for me now at this age. Um, and again, that was just really, really lucky. And I understood, I understudied two 35 year old guys mm-hmm. as a 22 year old. Um, I just want, just for like my own personal, like wanting to know every detail about that audition process and yeah. how that cast, please admit yeah. me. Like, how did the audition come about? Like, did you, I mean, what happened? so again, really lucky that I, I got an agent out of that showcase, out of Carnegie Mellon showcase. And that was one of the, yeah, the, one of the first auditions I had, I was staying at my friend's house in upstate New York. Cause I hadn't moved to New York yet. Mm-hmm. And I would just like walk around on the streets and like say the lines over and over and over again. And, um, 
I went in for that audition and, you know, it, uh, it went really well. And then I got a call back and I just remember like, I, I, I mean, to this day, it was one of the best auditions I've ever done. Not because I was so great or something, but just because I felt like I really knew the material. I made strong choices. I, I had a lot of fun. I, I remember like tearing up the script and throwing it across the room and stuff that I just like didn't didn't think that I would do anything like that. And it was just and it was really fun. And John was in the room and um, that whole show was just kind of magical. I mean, yeah, people said when I, production. Yeah. And when I was in it, they were like, get ready because it won't be like this all the time. Like every all four of them were incredibly skilled actors and also just like nice people mm -hmm. and um everyone backstage was amazing john is the kindest director he never he his only way of directing is to like support people mm -hmm. um i mean from top to bottom there was like not a bad moment involved in that and also to be young and just to get to watch everybody and mm -hmm. also never go on which was actually great, I think, because I just got to learn and not have like yeah. the pressure of going on for, you know, Spock, which I remember one day, I mean, that was hard for him, I think, because he's such an incredible actor. And then to have people just want him to sign, you know, posters for Star Trek afterwards is not like the best thing in the world. But um, I remember one night, do you remember the show opened with just him and like a spotlight on that little um, yeah. thing? And one time the spotlight came on his face and one person in the audience at the top of their voice went, <gasps> Spock. And I just saw Zach's face go like, all right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was great about that even too. It's like, you know, he was appreciative of, of what that afforded him. And, and that the fact that that's, you know, people were coming to see that show partially because of who he was. And yet he did incredible work. Um, I, you know. I, so, Last January, I actually directed a virtual reading of Rabbit Hole and oh, yeah. Celia was in it. <gasps> yeah. And she tried to help it because we were having a very difficult time trying to find a Howie. Mm. Um, and she offered to help and she's like, oh, I can email Zachary Quinto. And we're like, pourquoi? <laughs> so he was unavailable, but we were just like, imagine so oh, who yeah. did it you didn't get to see that one uh Jawan M. Jackson whom I've worked with before in a reading with Cobra and Leslie Margarita mm -hmm. we did a reading of the understudy which like to this day is like one of my favorite readings I've ever done because just like wow. the three of them together and like also probably one of the best like Q&A's I ever hosted it was just like the four of them like the three of them just going off and just like randomly just like kept going until I was like, we should probably just end this Q&A now, bye. <laughs> yeah, well, so she's- Speaking she's of her, I mean, so she was actually a teacher at Impulse, that summer camp that I did at U of M. Oh, wow. So I met her when I was, you know, 16. Did she then, like vomit a little too? Like Nick Rayberger, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, no. Um, But kind of in the sense that that first day of rehearsal, and I'm sure she saw- the mm -hmm. cast list or something and then maybe maybe looked it up but my impression was or she acted very well that she remembered me from from camp she was like Nick Rayberger from Impulse you're in this and I was like that's the sweetest thing in the world and she's always again just another she's, person she's lovely 
Yeah. Thing. I mean, yeah, we all, all of the boys had a huge crush on her during summer camp. And, um, you know, that remains to this day as just like a, as just an I mean, abiding talent yeah. crush, lovely now person. She's like kicking ass on the Gilded Age, like every, Absolutely. like 90% of Broadway. Yeah. Which is so great. I've only seen a couple episodes so far, but I love it. It's funny because I have a, because I watch the, um, the, 11 it turned out to be like 11 hour marathon that stars in the house did and they were so, do you know stars in the house with seth rudesky and his husband james i don't oh geez i'm a bad oh, theater. You're a bad theater person so during the pandemic <laughs> they um did this thing stars in the house every night to raise money for the actors fund and they've raised over a million dollars for them so they did like an 11 hour marathon. It was originally supposed to be 10, but it ended up being 11. And they had like all these different like Broadway people and celebrities come on and different people perform. Um, and they did like, they had people from the Gilded Age on and Seth was like, and no Jews. Okay. And I thought that was really funny because I have a friend of mine who she and I were talking about the Gilded Age and she's very adamant about wanting to play like a particular Jewish character on that show. Mm -hmm because she likes the, so, the show so much, she started to do research and she was saying that there was a woman at the time who was Jewish and, you know, started some sort of paper or something. So I just thought it was funny that he said that because I was having this conversation with my friend about it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I and that photo behind you does remind me of the Gilded Age a little bit. Totally. Yeah, that one right there. What is that of? Um, it's of the Hippodrome. In, uh, there you go. Chicago, right? I don't know. It, it, it doesn't. I just thought it looked cool, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know how much should I have hanging up in my apartment that I think looks cool? So I'm like, that's cool. Hang it oh, up. Good. It's like my yeah, random canvas above my bed. Ooh, I like Thank it. Yes, yeah, my apartment. Hey, check my like stack of DVDs I don't watch. Uh, do people watch this as well as listen to it? No, I don't post video. No. Okay. So this, yeah. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Sorry, I will say I had um, somebody come on and they were showing me different things in their kitchen. I thought it was fascinating. I'm like, this is great. And then I listened back to the podcast. I'm like, nobody knows what this guy is showing me, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, okay, so where were we again? So we were talking about Glass Menagerie. Talking about Glass Menagerie. Yeah, yeah just so once Glass Menagerie is done, mm -hmm. then what? Then, uh, you know, back to life as um, um, a young actor in New York trying to mm -hmm. trying to do it. Uh, I, I did Gotham on Fox. I uh, mm -hmm. got an episode of that. I started to get a And then you were murdered. I was murdered, yeah. Murdered um, by the penguin. By the penguin. I got to introduce the penguin as a frat boy, um, which led I've to me. I've seen clips and things of you. and Because, again, I've done my research, so I've seen the things. Yeah. You were murdered in a car. Yep, which led to me being seen as a frat boy for all my TV auditions for a while. Um, yeah, I, you know, just lots of lots of different things and, and auditions. And um, yeah, mostly kind of TV stuff happened in that period. Mm -hmm. um, Did you and, have to do any survival type jobs? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been pretty lucky overall, but I've done a little bit of everything. Like all through college, I was a secretary for a research company mm -hmm. and um, I worked, actually, I worked. I just want to say that's the most random thing I've heard. They're like, yeah, I was a secretary for a research company. Like out of all of the survival jobs I've heard about, that's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot. 
but it was people who are college, so it's yeah. not so bad well and i lived i went home to michigan <laughs> where i was at you know michigan state university campus so that was why um uh and um i i've done catering which mm. is not fun and um i worked at bear burger for three days before i got the call to do glass menagerie <laughs> and we we're like guys i like I have to quit. I'm going to yeah. understudy for Spock. Yeah. And they were like, they were not cool about it. They were like, you're just going to quit. Um, Did you tell them why? Yeah. yeah they didn't care. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Bear Burger, there's so much. I live by one and I've never been inside of it. I, I opened the one in Midtown, the one on 46th. When that was first, when it was, that was first yeah, there. I live by the 57th Street one. Never been inside. Yeah. Walked by it still walk by it all the time yeah. we're inside yeah so i mean i've done i've done lots of little things um i've been like a pa on some film sets and i've uh now i, think, I take i think that would be a fun job as somebody who's like never been on a film set but that's just me i've never done it seriously like i've never done it for like an episodic tv show which i think that's a that's a tough job you're in you're in charge of a lot and i think that that is a skill that you I think as a director have that I don't necessarily have. <laughs> I'm just very talented at many things. It's fine. Oh, right. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Thank you. And, um, I've submitted your resume to a lot of different PA positions, so you might be getting some phone calls. Hey. Um, but yeah, and uh, now I take photo photos, and I'm trying to get that off the ground a little bit. I've I've had a few people now uh, pay me to take like lifestyle photos, headshot kind of things, um, which is really fun. And actually, I keep referring back to Andrew, who I don't know, and I keep calling him Cobra, and I've never met him. So yeah. uh, I, I just not at that him. level yet. I'm sorry. I'm not at that level. But well, then, so we did this um, reunion type concert with the reading series. We did a concert at the Green Room 42. Cool. And he was in it. And it's funny because I've worked with him on four readings because we did the reasons to be pretty trilogy the trilogy so we had the same cast for all three of those readings so cobra was in each one of them and um it's funny somebody was talking to him calling him cobra she's like i'm so sorry like i don't know you but i'm calling you that and then i said andrew a few times i'm like i'm sorry it's just like really weird to call you andrew (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know but uh what was the he was saying something about Oh, I don't remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. I'm just going to keep referring. I'm sure, honestly, if like I told Cobra that we talked about him for a majority of this podcast, he'd just love that. <laughs> like, I would just text him and be like, Cobra, I just recorded a podcast and we talked about you for most of it. <laughs> um, yeah, he seems like a lovely guy. Um, Wonderful. And just like, he's honestly, I just just so happy to work with him and know him as a person and like I finally got to meet him and it's just uh it's can't say anything bad about him he's wonderful yeah I do think that's the longer you're in this profession the the more kind of wonderful people you kind of amass and the less I've worked with a lot of people during the pandemic yeah yeah so I mean there's maybe just like one person maybe two definitely one but he's not a broadway actor so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) who weren't who weren't nice you mean no who just like that that's an off podcast conversation sure of course not to bash anybody no i mean someone you know who's who's but i i guess the point is is that 
majority of people are, are wonderful. And, you know, it's so funny because I always feel like this is kind of brought up in like every podcast where we talk about who was nice and who isn't. And I always oh, really? mention this like one story that happened to me. And so it's funny because I had Tally Sessions on the last podcast and he's like, who is it? I'm like, I'll tell you after. This person <laughs> is such an asshole to me at a party. And it just like completely turned me off of them. And I was such an admirer and fan yeah. of them. And then like this one interaction, I was like, nope. Oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. And I always, you know, I don't know about that situation. I always try to give people like some benefit of the doubt because it's such a weird situation to, to I meet. I didn't even say anything bad to the person. Oh, I wouldn't I was think just they like, would. Of course not. Like, no. I love this show that you were in and they Rude. just were complete. Oh douche nozzle i'm sorry yeah but there's banging that's been happening since like nine something this morning i don't know oh, if I it's next door it. it's, it's been <laughs> driving me nuts yeah yeah um yeah so let's see where were we we're talking now? about survival jobs we're talking about survival jobs so I'm what happened to- so because I, I know your other broadway show was fiddler yeah. Um, so what happens between Glass Menagerie and Fiddler? What other, other than like survival jobs and TV, did you do anything regionally? Did you, were there any auditions that you went on that you got so close and you didn't? Because like, in my mind, at some point you could have played Fierro and Wicked. Wow. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. Again, great at casting. See, I, I think I've made some mistakes there, both, I think positive and negative because Oh, this is what I was going to say about Andrew Kober. Andrew oh. said the thing about um, once they see you as a singer, they always want you to sing. And yeah. I think there's a positive and a negative thing to that. And especially yeah. when I was coming into it, mm-hmm. there was there was a very much like, don't let them know that you sing mm-hmm. or you will never get cast in a straight play again. And mm-hmm. I really took that to heart, I think in the wrong way, because now that I'm an older person who's been in this for a little bit, I'm like, that's just not a real thing. Like mm-hmm. you have multiple skills, you should use them and stuff. And and people well, won't. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. But there's just like, there, there sometimes is this delineation between like, oh, these are the people who do straight theater and these are the people who do musical theater. So I wanted to be seen as a, as a straight actor. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't go in for stuff like that. I didn't. And also I, uh, because I wasn't singing regularly, if you put me into a room to sing Fiero, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Now I could, and now I probably would never get cast as Fiero. <laughs> but um, <laughs> one day, Dr. Dilliman, it's fine. Exactly. Although you'd have to like fight Cobra for that role. So, right. So yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm working my way towards the wizard someday. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. And I don't have any other, um, no, yeah. but I think that that's an interesting, you know, and, and I think you were talking about another podcast, how like uh, people who listen to this might be people who want to get into theater or something. And yeah. so it's just an interesting thing to have, to have gone through the whole process of being told mm-hmm. by people who are older than you and, and quote unquote, know more than you, uh, uh, like the way that you should kind of act and stuff. And so I didn't, get sent in for a lot of musicals and I didn't push for that because I was excited to be seen as the guy who could act in straight plays and TV. Um, That's really, sorry. No, even though now I I don't think that there's actually that much of a delineation. I mean, look at Gilded Age or any Mm -hmm. of the HBO shows that are from New York, they're half musical theater actors, like, you know, but I do think there was, and maybe still is in some ways, a little bit of a stigma Mm -hmm. once you're seen as a musical theater actor Mm-hmm. you know uh, well it's interesting you say that i'm gonna say two things for you um so when we were doing these 
um, virtual readings, you know, we would do some Q and A sometimes like with the reading series, we only did one Q and A because we did a new work by Neil Butte and we thought it would be a good idea to do a Q and A after with him. And he participated with the actors. So that was the only Q and A we did with that company. Um, but in a lot of like the meetings with the actors in the rehearsal rooms, and even in the Q and A's with the play reading Fridays, a lot of times, you know, I would say, what got you excited about doing a reading of this play? And people are like, it's a play. As a musical theater performer, we don't get offered plays. You know, so it's interesting that you're saying that. And it brings me back to um, Laura Linney. I call her Queen Linney. Uh, oh. She's one of my favorite actors, humans. I just can't say enough about her. Um, I don't know her personally, but that would be great if I ever did. And I would cry. Because uh, I cried when I met her twice. Anyway, side note, but there's a quote she said, and I think it was an inside the actor's studio or maybe not, but it was never say that you're one thing because no person is. No. And it's really interesting because you hear so many different things from so many different people. Like you're not going to get cast until you're older. Like, you know, the thing with the whole like musical theater, don't tell them you can sing. So at this point, it's kind of like, who the fuck are you going to listen to? Oh, none, and also none of it's true. Like, yeah. and all of the, and all of it is, unfortunately, like, yeah. like, it, like depends on who you talk to. But you look at any of these people who have these amazing careers, and they all have crazy different paths. Some mm -hmm. of them went to great schools, some of them didn't, you know, mm -hmm. what just none of it really means anything at the end yeah. of the day. But uh, 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 the point, what's the point here? Um, yeah, the point is that I love singing and I stopped myself from doing it for basically eight years as mm -hmm. a professional. I mean, even in Fiddler, it was a musical, but I was the one non-singing principal, mm -hmm. um, which you I was like drunk concerts where because there's a YouTube video of you and like Adam Cantor yes. and Ben Rappaport. And yes. I did get to meet him because like he and Adam were like in the front of house. And I think they like stopped and looked at my merch booth and I met Ben and I because I really liked the show that he did called Outsource. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And I told mm -hmm. him like, I really loved that show because that's how I knew him. And when he got cast in Fiddler, I'm like, that's so cool. That and I saw him in Picnic and everything. So, oh, which cool. is a play a I did in high school, which was horrible. <gasps> I mean, oh, great play. I'm going to say it now into this mic. It was a horrible high school production and I was the best oh. one in it. And is I'm saying that as a fact. <laughs> And I'll even say this, my mother said to me, Al, cause she calls me Al sometimes. I'm not just saying this because you are my daughter but you were the best one in that show. I believe it. And also, I mean, yeah. what, what high school production of Picnic is good. It's just, it's very too, true, it's much, you know? I also never shoved my head far enough that teacher's ass to ever get cast in anything. And I may or may not call her the spawn of Satan. Um, and hold a lot of like 17 years <laughs> later, a lot of like anger towards her still. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's always, it's always a tough one. It's fine. No, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but yeah, no. So it was exciting to see him in that. And he's doing a show now with Sean Hayes. Sorry, I'm like talking about a different actor. Uh, Sean Hayes in Chicago, which I kind of hope they bring to New York because it seems like a good. really cool. I read, I read that play. It's really good. And yeah. I'm sure that he's great in it. And Sean yeah. is great in it. I think he he's the real deal. He's another guy who's just like, he mm -hmm. loves, he loves mm -hmm. theater so much. And, and he, his wife are totally over. adorable, by the way. So adorable. <laughs> so and she's adorable. also wildly talented. Yeah, she's doing um, a musical with uh, Jackie Burns. They're doing uh, Walk on the Moon. 
Oh, good. I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. that Jonah Platt. I only know this like based on photos that I've seen of. <laughs> no, because I, I did a reading. My first reading I ever directed hey, was. Uh, uh, Allison, have you ever directed yeah. a reading? Oh my god! I'm gonna stop talking now. <laughs> Bye. I'm just teasing you. Um, oh my god! How red am I? Oh my god! I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which, no, which, I was going to name drop, but we can move on. Oh, no, you should name drop. That's what we're, we're doing a podcast. I was going to say, it was with Jonah Platt, and then I did one with Jackie Burns, and they're working together. God. Okay. I, I, I saw. <laughs> Way to make me feel like shit. Thanks, Nick. No, I, I'm so sorry. I thought I was being funny, but. No, it's fine. Not that funny. <sighs> it's an embarrassing joke. It's fine. It's all good. Now I've just made this super awkward. So. Yeah, um yeah. how did let's just get into fiddler how did fiddler come about and fiddler, also Bart Cher is one of my favorite broadway directors oh. so yeah he is he's amazing and um fiddler was fiddler was a long was one of those like i auditioned for it i didn't hear back for two months so i just let it go i didn't think it was going to happen mm-hmm. um but then i found out they were auditioning like a bunch of other parts and they just weren't doing callbacks for a while so i went back in um and everybody who ended up being in it was there melanie and and sam and and al and everybody and and it was just it was a really fun audition process i mean bart again like i love the way he approaches musicals he approaches to go back to our old conversation he approaches musicals like plays Mm -hmm. um and uh so the audition process is really fun and he asked for a lot in the room and and uh, made you work really hard and um yeah, it was just, it was fun. It was, it was a series of, of yeah. callbacks and just thinking it wasn't going to happen. And then I got the call and it was, it was just, yeah, really special. I will say like, what I really like about him is that even if somebody isn't a strong singer and they can play the role, he will cast them. And I really yeah. appreciate that because, you know, he cast Lauren Amber and like, she could sing, but like, nobody thought of that, you know, but she's, and she's like the, the leading lady of, of Broadway yeah. that think would be in that role yeah yeah and she was great yeah she was wonderful and then we saw who and then I saw Laura Benanti in it and then I just like never went back because I meant to see Broadway's father Danny Burstein in it and I just never did but oh he was so good in it I went back yeah to see him and it was just a joy I it was one of those things I'm like I'll see it and then it just like closed um but yes there's a Pace alum who is the standby in it Kirsten, Kristen Anderson or Kirsten Anderson. Yeah. I saw her go on and she is so, yeah, I heard she was so wonderful. Good. Oh my God. And just a nice, nice person too. Yeah. Um, she was after my time at Pace, oh, but yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about her and super talented. And I like kind of knew about her cause she did the tour of the sound of music and yeah, he's Pace alumni kick. Yeah, kick Pace, Pace, Pace puts out a lot of good people. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so he was he was awesome about it, and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was one of those things where like I, I kind of figured it wasn't happening because he like came out into the lobby after my final callback and like shook my hand, and I was like, wow, that never happens. Like the director came out and shook my hand. Mm-hmm. Eh, probably not gonna get it. And then I and then I got the call a couple of days later, and that was that was just. I mean, yeah, it was my first principal role in a Broadway show and and um, a musical that I loved. I mean, I when I was in middle school and I was still like in the phase of kind of mouthing the words and kind of figuring out that I liked it. 
um, they did Fiddle on the Roof at the high school and I went to see it and I was like, wow, yeah, I want to do this. It's like, I want to play Fiatka, which by the way is my favorite name to say, because like Perchik is meh, you know, Moisha Fiatka is a fun name to say. Yeah, it is a, it is a fun name. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was just really great. And I auditioned through the whole thing with a really strong Russian accent. I came into the first day of rehearsal with a really strong Russian accent. And then um, we decided to cut accents for anyone who was all the younger characters. They wanted like the new generation to, to not have okay. accents. Um, I did not realize that until this moment. Cause I know there yeah. was like a lot of people, his choice of kind of showing like refugees before his time, Berkshire yeah. or not so much but how right. he's come with the red burka and yeah 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 which I, I i just thought he was so smart about that um his original idea was to have it open on just a guy in his apartment in new york playing playing the violin and then have the whole set fly out and it and all the refugees come up through the basement um that got nixed but it still had i think that kind of feeling of like mm-hmm. the past coming back to tell the story yeah. Um, but I just being yeah. involved in two shows that have like such interesting concepts, mostly yeah. Celia coming in and out of a couch. John told me once that that was the only, when somebody asked him to direct, direct it, he was like, I don't know what to do with this, but I know that I want Laura to come out of a couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or my favorite was like, they said, don't touch the water. And then people would touch it. Oh, every, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, uh, I thought that set was, was so cool with the, with yeah. the black water. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I still have my little figurine of, of the, the unicorn. Oh, really? So Did everybody get a, a Laura menagerie? Cause remember in our rehearsal for it, I was like, maybe Laura's the menagerie. And then the guy yeah, we had uh, was like, Laura's the menagerie. And I just like uh, had the smuggest look on my screen. It's <laughs> like, ah, I thought it. No, you were, you were, yeah, you were right. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I end with Fiddler. That had a long run too. I did, I did 425 performances, I think. Somewhere and I the- worked most of them. No, I'm just did, Yeah, yeah. No, really? I worked, no. So I was the Saturday person because oh. I had a full-time job, um, but I didn't work every Saturday. But I was the one merch person who was pretty much there throughout the entire run. Because I worked first night of previews, which was three hours and 10 minutes, which I will never forget because yeah. I did March. And then I worked this final performance. Yeah, we had never run the show until that first preview in its entirety. And then we had to yeah. cut 10 minutes so that it wouldn't be over three hours. Yeah, I will say, though, I, I watched like a little bit of first night of previews. And when everybody came out to do tradition, I did get a little emotional. It was great. I mean, it's just that's the thing. Yeah. And again, like not only cons like lucky with the concepts and the directors and stuff, but also just that both of those shows are just good shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, you can mess them up, but at the end of the day, like people are going to like glass menagerie and people are going to like fiddle on the roof. And that was just yeah, really cool. <laughs> and I was like, cause I was friends. Uh, I, cause you know, you work in front of house, you become friendly with like company managers and assistant company managers and, that girl, Kim, she was nice enough to like get me a ticket. So I saw it towards the end of the run and like not to be that person, but like you were, you and Melanie were my favorite couple. I was like, there you go. Oh, Melanie rocks. And she's doing um, To Kill a Mockingbird on tour. Oh, I did not know that because I did not really take a close look at the list, but I saw her in Hello Dolly and she was wonderful. 
Which another example of someone who like had done stuff. Yeah. But, like, I she she said this to me like you know didn't have a ton of like acting training per se yeah. and worked so hard on that show and in, in my opinion was so good in it and is now doing a play on tour yeah I mean I'm sure is equally as wonderful in it I, she is like a a real real deal hardworking amazingly talented person yeah I always have a lot of respect for like that this is why I have so much respect for P Diddy or Sean Combs, Puffy, whatever the fuck he's calling himself now. And I was telling my friend about this last night, how I have so much respect for him. And it's because I did not see his production of A Reason in the Sun. But, you know, again, having worked in theaters, you hear people talk about different people. And that's why, again, always be nice because front of house people talk. Um, everybody. Yep. Yeah, I I know stories about lots of things. Um, but what I found that I grew a lot of respect for was he, from what I heard, worked his ass off. Like every night he would be on stage rehearsing with an acting coach, just like making sure he was getting in. I just have so much respect for that. And that's also yeah. why I really love Jessica Chastain because mm. of like the amount of research and hard work she puts in. And I wasn't there for her actor studio, but I remember watching it on TV. I used to work a lot of inside the actor studios. Um, oh. Yeah, it's another story for another time. Um, and she talked about like the amount of research she did for the help and how her character is from Sugar Ditch and the research that she did about the area that her character was from really helped inform her relationship with Octavia Spencer's character. So just say stuff like that, I, I really respect uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that was, I think like a fun thing with menagerie is like, mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I'm mostly talking about the guys because I, I was understanding them, but like the amount of work both of them did and the, like uh, uh, um, Brian who played Jim handed me his like a thousand page biography of, of Tennessee Williams was like, you should read this. It's really interesting. Wow. <laughs> and, and like, we were all just, and the fact that again, that they included me in that process, which they certainly didn't have to, was really cool, but also yeah, just how much care they put into making sure that that story was told well. And, yeah. and also how autobiographical it was of Tennessee Williams, which I just didn't, I knew the play, you know, cause it's kind of one of those classics that you have to read when you're in high school or acting school or whatever. And um, yeah, I think Zach did a really good job of incorporating a lot of kind of Tennessee Williams into the performance and yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And then we did it when we did a thing. And, um, I, to be, we did it because it was our backup show. If we couldn't do the shape of things. Oh, and really? I didn't, I didn't really know, know that, that was, well. I didn't know I was second string. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, no, because we were trying to do the shape of things and we didn't right. know we even get the rights. And that was like a huge thing that it turned out to be a huge thing. And I just, honestly, it just started with like a Facebook post of being like, let's want to do a reading. Cause everybody was doing it like on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. When it started and then it like imploded, it exploded into this huge thing. But when we decided to like continue to go on with the thing that we were doing, um, not mentioning what it was. Thank you, Nick. Uh, see, that's me joking now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't really, honestly, I was kind of afraid to direct it, to be completely honest oh. with you, because I didn't know it that well. And I'm I'm not a Tennessee Williams connoisseur, but well, you did not give me that impression. I thought everything went yeah. very well. Oh no. My favorite direction I gave you 
that I was really proud of is when we were discussing, because honestly, your scene with Erica was my favorite. Just, it was so good and beautiful. And um, when you were trying to figure out like why he's acting the way he did. And I said, I think it's because she represents his glory days back in high school. And you didn't even think of that. I was like, damn, I am good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. And then we had Augustus on Augusta. Yeah. Augustus on and Mm -hmm. all that autobiographical stuff and sitting there like pretending I knew I had no idea. Oh, wow. You fooled me. See, you're a good actor and a good director. Yes. You know, sometimes you got to mix the two together. So I I have to ask, um, Mm -hmm. are we coming up on a, on a, on a a little break here? Oh, do you need to use the bathroom? All right. We're going to pause everybody who's listening. Yep. And we're back after a pee break. Thank you. you, Oh, you're welcome. As somebody who is constantly needing to use a restroom, I get it. I go before a show at intermission. I understand. Whenever there's a show without an intermission and I know it's going to be over two hours, I just get real worried. There aren't that many shows that are like that nowadays. Although I will say Slave Play almost did me in. But... I very much enjoyed slave play. My bladder, not so much. Yes. Yeah. I did okay, okay bladder wise, but yeah, I, I also enjoyed it. I didn't see it until just recently. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I saw, I saw, I saw when it was first on Broadway at the uh, Golden, right? It was at the Golden? I think so. Yeah. I think that I'm really, I mean, I, again, I, I, I was really moved by it. I'm really curious what it would have been like to have seen it pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. It's so timely. And then so many things happened. Um, yeah. Well, I remember when I worked in hospitality, I was as concierge and it was mostly a sales job because we just sold things and we couldn't do what like actual concierges do without like getting in trouble by our company. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people would ask about slave play. And I said, I can't tell you what it is because then I will give it away. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know going in. I had only seen the pictures of, um, you know, the period piece yeah. kind of aspect of it. Well, I mean, I don't know if we should give anything away on this podcast, but um, I yeah, there's only two people who listen to it and the people <laughs> well, who do listen to it have already seen it. And it's sure. been out for so long now that they show the modern clothing and even oh, you're right. press you're releases right. of, or like the new press photos, they even do show the modern clothing aspect of it. Well, I so. somehow missed all of that and went into it totally ignorant and so I was very shocked and and yeah. excited and and yeah it was it was a cool experience to not yeah. know what was going to happen like that that's how um, I felt about take me out I mean I knew certain things were going to be shown but um I always knew of that play but I just like I never read it even though I had the script for, and I think mm-hmm. I still do but I kind of went in not really knowing what was going to happen and I'm happy mm-hmm. I also thought like Jesse Tyler Ferguson's character was a reporter and he's not. <laughs> so it's like, I got that wrong. I don't remember. I read it in college. I don't remember. Um, I got to go see that. My friend Carl Lundstedt is in it from school. Oh, um, cool. Looks really good. You yeah, just saw yeah, it. Really, yeah, I saw it on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Then I'm seeing another show tomorrow. So got my things lined up. I'm excited. That's a real uh, power couple. Carl is married to Danae Benton, who's yeah. the lead she, of uh, Oh my Age. God. I cannot wait for Into the Woods. She took over for Ashley Park. 
Shangon for Ashley Park and Into the Woods at City Center. You are a bad theater person that you don't know any of this. Bad theater person, I really well. Yes. See, but that's not, I'm I'm obsessed, but I have been just out of the loop with um. Yeah, I've been out of the loop. <laughs> you don't have my, you have my emails. So you can be like, Allison, what's happening? I'll be like, Nick, okay. let me tell you. you a little digest every yes. every so often. Well, it's funny because that with my old job, they knew me as like the theater person. So that's mm. why they purposely put me at a specific desk just to sell theater tickets. And I mean, now that like the pandemic happened and like, I'm not as like gung ho, like Broadway obsessed as I was, but I still know my stuff. I mostly yeah. sing it because Heather Headley is playing the witch and that's all I care about. Totally. Do you not know who's in this cast? I don't know who's in this cast. All right, I just want to see how blown your mind is going to be. Christian right. Borrell as the baker. Incredible. Sarah Borales as baker's wife. Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So get your tickets now. And then there's other people who I can't think of at the moment, but. Danae? Danae is in it. Oh, they just, somebody else. Oh, fuck. Who's the guy? They just announced somebody else is like one of the princes. And now it's really bothering me that I can't think of who it is. That, that rocks already. I'm going to talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to look it up really quickly. I'm such a Sarah Bareilles fan. Like again, somebody who like. I, um, it was like two last sat not this Saturday night what's today Monday last Saturday I did this huge walk like all the way down to Union Square for my apartment and I was walking down West 13th Street and then I ended up walking behind Sarah Bareilles and her boyfriend Joe and I was and he had their dog and you know when you're walking behind people and they have the puppy and the puppy like stops every two seconds uh-huh. So I had like one of those interactions and he and I spoke for a hot second about like their dog. And I didn't want to be like, I know who you are because I'm not <laughs> crazy, a little bit, but not so much. Okay. I don't know if I would have been able to help it. I saw him in a play like six or seven years ago off Broadway. And I was like, this is one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. He's, uh-huh. he's kicking ass. He's yeah. TV film. I actually, he was the original Earl in waitress um and then when they did it again my friend and I actually saw the first night it was back on Broadway so we went to Mm -hmm. the first musical back on Broadway okay Sarah Brown okay Christian Brawl okay Gavin Creel wow he's the wolf and Cinderella's prince amazing yeah Heather Headley sorry I love her Oh, that rocks. She's wow. the reason oh, that fun. I saw the color purple because she. Oh, awesome. yeah. Into the Woods is definitely up there. One of my favorite shows. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. So a lot of people, when Sondheim passed away, they talked about how they grew up with Sondheim. And I didn't really like know his stuff until I was in college. Like you kind of know his music, but I wasn't like fully aware of like all of his musicals until then. Like I grew up with like Rogers and Hammerstein. Like that was my childhood. And like, Victor Victoria and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and Greece and Annie. Like that was my youth and boy bands. So yeah. What was, were you like a Sondheim person growing up? I was, I, yeah, I was obsessed with Sweeney Todd, like my junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like kind of shows where I'm assuming that's on your list of dream roles. Oh yeah. 
you oh, yeah. and everybody else, not in a bad way. No, totally in, in a, in a whatever way, but um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But even as a, you know, 16 year old, I was like, that's the part I want to do. I had no interest in being Anthony or anything. <laughs> um, like, you want to play like uh, Anthony and then have your phone go off. And I want to see if you got my reference to this. You don't watch the office, do you? I have watched most of it. So Andy is doing a production of Sweeney Todd and they all oh, go to see him. I didn't get to that then. I think I watched like the first, I think I watched through the, 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 the proposal and then I stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A friend of mine from college, uh, she actually turned me on to the office. And then like years later, I still like thank her whenever I like talk to her, I'm like, you are the reason I watched the office. Just yeah. my happy place. I will always find it on TV whenever it's on but yeah um Ed Holmes character Andy played Anthony in the production that they did and that like they open um the show with him coming in with the other actors singing Sweeney Todd and then Dwight gets up with the knife (laughs) (laughs) okay just watch that episode it's great maybe I'll watch that one episode yeah Um, okay so Fiddler on the Roof Fiddler closes what happens after Fiddler Fiddler closes and I went to Chicago and I did Shakespeare in Love. All right, right now it's time for our deep dive conversation oh, that I said yeah. that we are going to do. Here we go, hot dog. Here's my, I told you I have a dream cast with a specific, specific people, specific director. And this is okay. solely based on the movie he did with them and a Shakespeare play he did with them. Okay. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, Richard Madden and Lily Wait, James. Sorry, are you going to tell me who 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 is Kenneth Branagh playing? He's directing it. Oh, he's directing it. Okay, he's directing Wait. it. Who, yeah. And then Richard uh, Richard Madden as Will Shakespeare. Wow, sure, he's he's amazing. And Lily James as Viola de Lesseps. Wow. Okay. That is like in my head. What wow. should happen? I'm uh, kind of surprised it hasn't come to Broadway, but. It's, I feel like it's more of a regional show as opposed to like a Broadway show at this point. Yeah, I I really, I don't, I don't. Because I, I feel don't. like it would have been done on Broadway by now. Right. Yeah, I think, I think it lived in a halfway place between like almost being a musical and, and, mm-hmm. and almost being a straight play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think actually like the production that I did in Chicago was really, really wonderful. I, I don't know that that was ever on track to go to New York, mm-hmm. um, but I think others were and didn't quite find the right like tone is, is, is my impression. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I've certainly never heard anything like bad about it, but um, yeah, I think, cause I think the play is great. And I think the movie is great. I think the script yeah. is really good. Well, like, like I told you before we started, it is one of my all time favorite movies ever. It's my favorite yeah. actually. Um, and when I found out they were doing a play of it, I was, I even wrote about my anger on Facebook about it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I have to see this because they did it in the West end. Yeah. You would think it would come to New York and then it did it. And then I know that they did it in um, Chicago that you were in and then Mm. they did it in Canada. Yeah. They did it when I did it all of a sudden, right after that, a bunch of like Oregon Shakespeare did it Mm a bunch of regional, like big regional places did it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think I think that they kind of made that decision. They were like, okay, we're going to sell it to mm-hmm. regional theaters instead of, or not sell it, you know, but but let it out for regional theaters to do instead of trying to get it to New York. Um, but I don't think that's the end of it. I hope it does come to New York. I think it's a great play. Yeah. Um, 
So what's, yeah. what was that like? So you guys obviously knew Fiddler was coming to a close, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so when that was happening, did you just start auditioning for things and this was one of them or how did that come about? Yeah, the last like couple months of Fiddler, I just, I just auditioned a lot and, um, and that, happened and it was just such a cool I hadn't experienced that before you know I went from glass menagerie into just kind of nothingness for for a while and then so to have something lined up right after another show was something I'd never experienced it was pretty pretty fun and also my whole family's from Michigan like I said and and so I think more people came to see Shakespeare in Love <laughs> then came to see Fiddler on the Roof from my like extended family and stuff. And, and that was really fun. It was fun to work in Chicago. It felt kind of like almost like being back home. And I love Chicago too. I've actually love- never been to Chicago, but my younger sister did go to Northwestern and now she's in graduate school at Chicago. So I'm like, one day I'll visit her. And I just yeah. have it. It's a great city and also yeah. great theater. Um, great well, theater. Yeah. Steppenwolf is there. Steppenwolf. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, good speed and, and and chicago shakes is great and yeah a lot of and a lot of little like storefront theaters that that people put a lot of work into that are great well if i go it'd just be to see the Syrah painting and to see the bean and to see my sister and yeah like because i've said like when i go to chicago the two things i need to do is see the bean and that Syrah painting and imitate the photo that sondheim has of him looking at the painting Totally. That's all yeah. that matters. I think yeah. I have one of those of me. Yeah, it was so cool to see that in person. Also, they did that there with um Carmen Cusack. Didn't, yeah. Wasn't that mm-hmm. and um good casting? Oh my god, what's his name? Someone Jason else. Is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then she did the city center production of it. Oh, really? She was in the she was someone in it. She wasn't Dot, obviously. That was Annalie Ashford, but yeah. Oh. Did you see that or did you miss that too? I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. Carmen was she... in the city center version. She didn't go to Broadway with it though. Oh, I saw it on Broadway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With our, our favorite podcaster, Andrew Kober. Andrew Kober. Yes, yes, yes. This whole Although... podcast is about Andrew Kober. Nobody you else. You saw him in it, right? Because he covered. He, yeah. Words. He was an understudy. Yeah. 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 But to talk about a, a stacked cast. That was pretty wild. Yeah, um, that was really, that was a wonderful show. Yeah. Fucking banging. So Shakespeare in Love ends. You're in Chicago. Then what happens? Where is your life now? What What's going on? Um, I think I, I really got in that mode of I, I wanted to do, I mean, it was just, it was really great because I'd played this, you know, smaller but important part in Fiddler. It was really special. And then I went to that, do that show where it was a three hour long show. And I was on stage for almost every second of it, speaking verse, screaming, you know, crying. I mean, every. I haven't, I haven't read it because I just haven't brought myself to read it, even though I own the script. Do you think they tried to make it like a Shakespeare play? Because I know at the end of your production, you guys had a big like dance number that they usually do in a Shakespeare play at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, it did have a lot of elements of that. And and they basically put on, I mean, half of the character of my character is playing Romeo in yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Um, uh, yeah, so it definitely has the feeling of a Shakespeare play. And, and it was cool to do it in Chicago where they kind of formulated the stage to almost be like the globe. It was in three quarter and... Um, the set looked like the globe and everything. Um, I, I, I saw. Yeah. 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 I so I think, 
Yeah, but that was just a really cool challenge because I was on stage for every second. It was a huge responsibility mm -hmm. and I learned a lot and I got to speak Shakespeare. And then so I think I really wanted to come back and, and do plays like that and try to try to continue in that vein. And, um, and you did Pride and Prejudice somewhere, too, right, where you played Mr. Darcy. Did St. you Louis come out of the water like... Uh, What's his face? <laughs> oh, it was. Or did it was, you just uh, like appear from like a smoky, smoky field, like was, Matthew McFadden, whose name is David? It was less sexy than that. I didn't get to do any of those sexy things, but it was a great production. Great mm -hmm. production. And uh, the director, Hannah Sharif, who uh, is the uh, artistic director of that theater now, um, directed it. Was her first show as artistic director, and she was really great. And the cast was great. And um, again, I, I kind of found my niche of playing um, angry British people um, from Shakespeare and Love to that. And now I'm doing Hood, which is Sheriff of Nottingham, angry British guy. Um, I feel like Hood is a modern take on Robin Hood, even though it doesn't take place in modern times. Would you say that is correct? That is correct because there is sort of a framing device for it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. But well, that it, show's it, been around for a while. It, it wasn't it rumored to come to Broadway at some point, or am I just making that up in my head? Uh, they did a production of it in Dallas um, uh, four years before I got involved with it. Um, and then it kind of, you know, fell away for a little bit. And now I've been working on this this version of it for the last three years, doing oh, various wow. meetings and things. So it's it is that production, but it's 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 it is totally different. <laughs> I mean, it's not that the sheriff the whole time or yeah, yeah yeah since since 2019 we did a reading of it down at the oslo mm -hmm. uh, workshop of it and now we're going back to the oslo i mean that production Florida? was supposed to happen then yeah in 2020 and then 2021 is that because i just found out last night i'm going to florida for memorial day weekend oh it's in yeah. sarasota yeah no i'm not either i'm gonna yeah, be in west florida. west i'm gonna um, be in boca raton as the jews say that is where i spent every winter as a kid in pompano oh, wow. Beach. That means nothing to me. If it's not Disney, I don't know it. It is. Um, it is right by Boca Raton, right by uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, my I'm going to be spending so much time in Florida this year. My dad bought a house in Florida, so he's like plotting his escape from New York. Got it. And my older sister booked the family for my mom's 65th birthday. Sorry to age you, mom. She just doesn't listen to this. Um, a cruise to Mexico. And it flies out of Fort Lauderdale. So huh, yeah. Yeah. And I just really love Disney. So that's I think we have a we have a little hood cast Disney trip planned. Um I will give you any and all details. Go on to Undercover Taurus to get your discounted tickets. Well, well, well. Okay. We just brought the citrus swirl back, which I was so excited about. I posted it on Instagram because I was like, it's the only news that matters. I have two Instagrams. So oh. My okay. personal and the podcast. Okay. Yeah. But so how did Drowsy come about? Drowsy was just really lucky. Um, As your friend, so, Emily, right? Emily Cook, yeah. who's a, a longtime uh, Wicked Alphaba. Mm -hmm. um, and also has done The Waitress. Done The Waitress. She, yes. She played the Drowsy Chaperone, which I'm sure she just like murdered in a good she way. She was incredible. I mean, obviously age inappropriate, but so good. It's a regional theater. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the best. And everyone involved 
at the theater was great. She has a relationship with them because mm-hmm. uh, it's a really cool place. They have a theater and, and also the person who runs the theater also runs a school there. Mm-hmm. So when you go to do a job there, you kind of also get to teach some classes and do master classes and stuff like that. So it was just lucky that that the director Raylan asked Emily if she had anybody in mind for two of the roles for Robert and 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 for uh, um, George, the best man. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as you said it, I just started saying George, the best man. George, George. the best yeah. man, George. Um, and uh, and luckily, I had a you know chat with the director, and and she was willing to to let me do it. And so that was just really fun. We kept joking; it was cook casting, Emily. Emily's last name is Cook, so she, Raylan was like, "Yeah, we got Cook casting and 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 all." Maybe of she could do that as a side gig. You never know. You know what? She's good at it. Mm-hmm. Is another person. I mean, it's not you, but she's uh, she's pretty good at casting as well. Listen, and, I know I'm not the only one in the world who's really good at casting. Okay, but you're you know you're up there. Um, and I would get into arguments with people about who they thought should be in parts. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> wow. See, it's good to have that though. I like. I think. Um, yeah, so that was just great. And that was the first thing I did for mm-hmm. two years of the pandemic. I mean, what I- What did you do during the pandemic? I mean, other than what we worked on, but did you get a chance to do other readings? Did you, what did you do? Any, did you teach? I don't see you on like, what a Broadway plus you could have no, joined. I fully, and... I fully left the situation. I- I did our reading and then I was like, cool, I'm not gonna do anything else. I hate theater now. Not because of that, <laughs> but because I was just like- Did I destroy your theater dream? No, that, that, was actually, that was actually really special. That made me feel like, oh my God, I love this. And then, and then slowly over the next few months, I was just like, I don't know how to, um, like there's no auditions, there's no, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just was like, cool, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, maybe I'll just like not not push to do anything is, is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I actually moved to Michigan. My parents had this wild idea. They wanted to buy a house and renovate it. And I was kind of, you know, struggling a little bit. I was in Minnesota with my girlfriend at the time, like we talked about. Well, when we did you also that. did carpentry for a while, right? Like, or you studied right. carpentry. Again, stalker. I call it research. No, it's research. Uh, it's great. I'm yeah. very famous. So it's it's just all You're over the place. Very famous, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no. Um, so, but yeah, they were like, we want to renovate a house. Would you want to come help? And so I ended up living in this house in Michigan and renovating it. And um, I did everything myself. I, I I tore down walls. I did all the landscaping. I put in a full kitchen. I, did you create your loft bed yourself because you're that handy? Yeah, I did not because it's just hard in New York. It's like, I don't have a place to make things, you know, like in order to do something like a bed, you really need like a table saw and a mm-hmm you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, and like the Nick Offerman of Broadway that you can just like make a canoe. That is what I would love. Yes. That's like, I'll, I please have somebody say that is me. I would love that. Well, Um, somebody just did. So you're welcome. I can't, thank you. I can't make a canoe, but I can make a lot of things out of wood. I've made a lot of tables. Mm -hmm. I love woodworking. Um, But that would just like start an Etsy account and sell these things. And then you can go on to that crafting show with him and Amy Poehler called making it. You know, have you watched making it? It is the most joyful show. 
so fun. I know. Yeah. No, that's the thing. And that's the only thing that's hard about. So I went through this period where I was like, see, yeah, I don't want to live in New York because I can't do like woodworking in New York. Like there's no mm -hmm. space. And I was like, maybe I'll just stay in Michigan, blah, blah, blah. And um, obviously that was a phase. I think a lot of people went through that phase and I'm, I'm kind of grateful for it. And that's what I meant by, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore is yeah. it obviously it wasn't because of anything. It was just like, if I'm going to take a break, I'm going to do it. I'm going to really do it and not just be sitting around and saying, Oh, this guy's getting this part and this guy's doing this reading and stuff. And you know what I mean? Um, so I kind of like got off my social media and all that stuff and, um, and just focused on the house for a while. And it was really great. It was very, well, you fun. don't actually post that much on social media to begin with anyway. So it's, it's, it's tough for me. It's, it's, it's like, I, I definitely understand the upside of it. And yeah. I think over the pandemic, if anything, I learned a ton about social issues on Instagram, you know, I would see things that I would make me kind of question things, then I would do further research or, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I saw a lot of things for the first time on Instagram mm -hmm. um, through, through everything, through the protests, through, you know, um, the election. Um, but yeah, I kind of got off the, like the theater aspect of it. Cause I was just feeling like that feeling that I don't think is useful for anybody of being like jealous and, uh, you know, envious or, or frustrated by what I'm doing and other people aren't. And mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a real time, you know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. was doing what they wanted to be doing, quote unquote, during the pandemic. And if they were, it was in short stints or, you know, you're seeing, as everyone talks about all the time, you're seeing the like greatest hits of somebody's life. And I think, it, yeah, it was just healthier for me to kind of like back out of that for a little bit. And the, the uh, you know, long story short is that I've never been happier to be back in New York. I've never wanted to do this more. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's a silver lining of the pandemic is that because I actually, there had been times in the eight, nine years that I was in the city before the pandemic where I thought maybe this isn't right. Maybe this is, you know, I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling like I'm aimless or just waiting for the next audition to come around. Mm -hmm. And, and now I just have so I think my love for it has been so reignited by being, by kind of deliberately choosing to go away for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Do you the think if that were to happen again, where you're just kind of in this lull, do you think you'll respond the same way or do you think you'll handle it differently or you just don't know because you're not there I yet? I think I'll handle it differently because mm -hmm. I, I think I, uh, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of realized from being away that it is what I want to do. And, and I don't really have an option. <laughs> like yeah. I, you know, I thought about going to grad school. I thought about maybe doing like house flipping full time. Cause I I've enjoyed it. And I think I did a pretty decent job with the house and stuff, but yeah, I can't, I love this too much. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I was getting really negative about some things and, and now I don't feel that way, especially having done a little bit of teaching with this theater. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love teaching it. I love talking I about it. I was going to ask <laughs> further about the teaching because your website, you do have teaching as one of your tabs. So throughout the time between like, um, between gigs, I guess you could call it, were you also teaching? You know, um, the teaching thing is so funny because like I taught a ton during and right after Fiddler mm -hmm. because there is like a, I wouldn't even say culture because it's not a bad thing, but there's just like, if you're in a show, <laughs> 
people are way more willing to pay you money to teach yeah. them about, about yeah. acting. Well, I mean, you that's know? also like, if you look at Broadway plus, and I will say that a lot of my quote unquote casting, um, I would look at performers who were on Broadway plus and mm. who put themselves on cameo and Sam Pauly, who I love and adore. And she's in six, like she just like kept coming up in the back of my mind. And I quote unquote discovered her because of cameo. And wow. I ended up putting her in one of the things that I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just curious about that. And, you know, and yes, I agree with what you're saying because they'll say like what they were in and Broadway plus and Broadway plus is wonderful. Like I met Adam Pascal virtually because oh. my sister got me a gift card for it, but they divide it up into shows. But I think there is some sort of aspect where if you're in a show, people will be more interested in having you teach. Right. Yeah. And it's especially like um, for bigger things or like master classes or stuff, I was able to teach like Fiddler on the Roof specific master classes. And, and you know, that time is expired on that <laughs> kind of thing. And um, uh, so I did try for a while to kind of build like a little studio of, of people like that I would do. I, I had a couple of people that I did, you know, college audition prep for, but again, it was something that I kind of had to either choose to put more of a full-time effort into or not. And I think combination pandemic and everything else, I just kind of didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not sure where that'll lead, but I do enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You also yeah. wanting to start doing photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. How's that going? Great. I love photography. Oh, this is the other thing I was going to say. And then we're never talking about Andrew Kober again. Um, <laughs> Is that he said Again, something? I will text him and be like, I just did a podcast. Um, <laughs> Burger just kept mentioning you. Kept fanboying about you for the whole time. Go see him in Beetlejuice and then be like, <gasps> Oh, great. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a treat. I'm going to um, make everybody super jealous. Um, he may or may not have told me that he was in Beetlejuice before they announced it. Thank you. Wow. Hey, that's fun. Yeah. Well, no, because um, with this concert that we did, I was like, How do you want me? Because I hosted the night naturally um I was like how do you want me to introduce you and he said well if they announce the Beetlejuice casting before the concert you can mention that if not don't say anything oh so they announced it like the day or two after the concert got it and so like my friend who like was our co-producer she's like oh my god it was like I already knew so <laughs> that's so cool yeah it's fun to be in the know yeah um but he was saying something about I don't remember what it was, but something that he does where it's like, oh, I think maybe being a pilot or something where there's like yeah. a complete, a completeness to it because there is no completeness. You can be in a Broadway show and you never, you know, people will feel differently about it every night. You might have off nights. You might, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's just that you're never like, oh, this is my performance. It's locked in. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, I figured it out. You know, I, I did different things on the very last night of Fiddler you know, but You're with, like, fuck uh, it, it's the last night. Right. Well, sure. There was that. Java, but I, fuck you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, I do have a funny story about that actually, but, um, it's like the you curtain know. not fully closed when Tevya was like saying no to her, the shower curtain that came across the stage. Do you not remember this moment after his song, Chava, little Chavala, then she's was like, father. And then he like closes a curtain on her. Yeah. 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 I was making a joke of like, did it not close? Oh, <laughs> no, I just mean about it's also like very specific that I just like weirdly all of a sudden remember that. I know it's so funny. I, I like 
I feel like I dump everything from a show the minute it's done. Like I don't, I did that 425 times. I can't remember a single line in it from my character, which is crazy, but that's just kind of the way I remember. Cause there's a bootleg of it online. I mean, I remember saying like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't remember. Um, But I kind of do that. I'm pretty good at learning lines, but then the minute I'm done with something, I just like eject it. I think that's everybody. Yeah, no, I know some people who can like still do their whole. Well, I will say though, I was a cheerleader in eighth grade, which shocks a lot of people that I was a cheerleader. Um, But there's still some like cheer moves I still know how to do when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. So that I understand. Yeah, especially when you're younger. I feel that way about tap. It's like I hadn't tapped in in 10 years when I did the show. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, do you remember a maxi Ford? And I would say no. And then he'd do it once. And I'd be like, oh, right. My feet just kind of knew what a maxi Ford was. It's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. Uh, um, wow. We've taken a bunch of route or I've taken a bunch of routes here. We went. Oh, but, you know, Again, photograph. We go off track so much in these podcasts. That's, that's it's the joy fine. of it. It's very fun that's- to listen to. Um, yeah. I mean, because people we're just having a conversation, and that's yeah. what happens when people have conversations. Yeah. Um, but oh, but a photograph, you're like, okay, I'm gonna finish this and I'm gonna send it to somebody, and that's the photograph they're gonna use, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just nice to be like, there is a finished product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel that way about woodworking. It's like when you finish the table, the table is a table. It's not a performance. <laughs> like, you but know, it, it also just reminded me of an episode of The Office too, where it's my favorite episode of The Office where it's the dinner party, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen. And Michael made that really bad table with the candle on top of it. Yep. Nordic pine. Oh, Nordic- wow. wow. It is. It's great. Um, so anyway, I just agree that um, having things that are more substantive in mm-hmm. terms of <laughs> a finished product can be very helpful. Um, and the reason we talked about that is teaching, doing things that aren't acting. I don't know. Oh, but I just like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. for all the horrible things. And obviously I came out of the pandemic, you know, pretty unscathed and a lot of people had horrible tragedies and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm certainly not making light of it in any way, but the silver lining for me was that I really got to realize that this is what I love and I'm just so happy to be able to do it. And yeah. so um got to be in a scene with Queen Latifah. Oh, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. And that happened, you know, right when I got back to New York, mm-hmm. which was just a little like, you know, it was a tiny little part, but it was just like, okay, cool. Like there, like <laughs> I, I I can I can do this. <laughs> There's something for me to do here. Um well, so. I saw you post about it. So I DVR the episode. And I watched it, not the whole thing, just your scene, but yeah, yeah. it was kind of like a fucked up story how that happened. Not like really. Very the mother much. like couldn't find the kid, but then it turned out your adopted kid said he was that kid because the other kid didn't want them to know where, what happened. I it was weird. I've tried to explain that to other people and you just did it more succinctly, I think, than I ever have. Oh, I uh, explained flying over sunset to my friend a few weeks ago and she was like, what? I was like, I, that happened. I didn't get to see that. Um, I, I, people are like, what do you think the show is like, I, I still honestly don't know how I felt about it hmm, or feel about that show. I do remember at one point being like, what the fuck is happening? But maybe <laughs> that's how you're supposed to feel because everybody was on LSD. Oh. Um, but 
I mean, everybody worked their ass. It's kind of hard now. I think now that I've been seeing shows for like 30 years and maybe it's also just age where, you know, if you don't enjoy a show, you also, there's an aspect of being like, I feel really bad. I didn't like it because these people work so hard on it, you know, and it's not an easy thing putting up a Broadway show. You know, I kind of, I think rarely do people go into the process with anything but good intent. I mean, certainly there are, you know, money, money side of it <laughs> that that yeah. sometimes is great, but like no art artistic person goes into it with mm-hmm. any intention but to do the best possible job they can. So, yeah. you know, um, if yeah. that's not happening, it it, it does yeah. suck for everybody Here, involved. Here's one show. I'm not going to say what it is on the podcast, but okay. there's this one show where it was like not good you thought it was gonna get good and then it just didn't and I was just sat there I'm like I feel so bad for these people dancing on stage right now because they're oh, clearly yeah. dancing their asses off and the show just isn't good right yeah I think I might know what you're talking about um you'll have to tell me after because I'm very curious <laughs> <now>. <laughs> um it was it's... Fiddler on the Roof no, I'm just yes joking. exactly no <laughs> talk about amazing dancing and I stood in the back and I clapped as other people danced yeah that, uh, I secret. I don't remember who won her no that was the year of Hamilton so you guys didn't win anything um but I secretly hoped that it Fiddler would have least won choreography I know well didn't we no it was, <laughs> it was Hamilton what, we won something right Did you? <laughs> yeah maybe no and it, no it wasn't that I think we did actually. Am I crazy? Hold um, on, kind of bother me. Because <laughs> I, um, I don't think we won anything else. Uh, Danny was nominated, which obviously he should. <laughs> well, a lot of people thought <clears throat> that Lin Manuel and Leslie. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Not what's his name? Who won? Um, his name is not. Junior. Yes, thank you. A lot of people thought that they were going to cancel each other out, and Danny was going to win. Oh. Huh. But that didn't happen. Yeah. Danny always has my vote for anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is a magical human being. So mm-hmm. the first Broadway show I ever saw was South Pacific at Lincoln Center with I Danny saw that six times. Sorry. Oh. Hold on. And, uh, again, I, I, I just dump everything from my mind. I have a terrible memory. So um, I don't know. I... I don't, to wanna, I don't want to break your heart, Nick, but you did not win any Tony Awards. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. There was Drama Desk, though, for director of a musical and outstanding lead actor, but I think that was because Hamilton could not have been nominated. Right. Well, it's just because I didn't dance, and so they were like, well, there's not enough dancing from him. We can't give him a Tony. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know what I, and I don't mean for this to sound how it's going to sound but what I really liked about the choreography that was just a little bit dirtier than what you're used to because it was more like nitty-gritty and I just loved that oh and that was have you seen Moulin Rouge yes yeah yeah yeah. the choreography during Roxanne where they the women hold on to the guy's ankles and they slide across the stage oh yeah oh I mean the choreography in that show I don't know how any of those people are doing it it's a marathon there are like 60 numbers yeah. And it's all amazing. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, I'm actually more exhausted after listening to Aaron Tveit sing than I am about them like dancing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, everybody's working real hard in that show. Yeah, um, I love that show. I actually saw it for its out of town triad in Boston. 
and many other times after. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see it again now. I saw it, you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I do think Bart was really smart with the choreography in that he hired Hofesh, who was a, yeah. you know, Israeli concert dancer. So he didn't have yeah. any, any, you know, yeah. musical theater background and he didn't, yeah. he came in and he did his own thing, which was cool <laughs> and worked, yeah. I think. I agree. Uh, yeah, it was just honest. Filler was great production too. And we won a Tony for it in my mind, so. Yes, the the Invisible Tony. Again, that was the year of Hamilton. So like even Barbara Streisand coming out at the end dressed like she wasn't Hamilton. And they even closed the show with the medley of Hamilton, to which I think I like commented on Facebook. Like, do you think this is Hamilton being like, we won all of the awards and all of the land, so we're just going to sing it? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, they still said, haven't I mean, seen Hamilton on Broadway. You haven't? No. Have you seen it somewhere else? Disney Plus. Nice. Yeah. I well, I was, I was supposed to go for my big numbered birthday last year because again, I'm 25, even though big number birthday last year would have been 24. Um, right. My sister got me a ticket for it, but it ended up being the same day as my very good friend's wedding. Mm. So I couldn't go and I ended up selling my ticket and then buying tickets to see other shows that I was more interested in seeing. Yeah. And I think I used that money maybe to buy. No. No, it was probably other. I don't think it was the same year as Angels in America. No, that was not the same year. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that twice. That was great. Anyway, so. Let's move on. Anything else you'd like to add before we move on? No, I, 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 uh, yeah, no, I, I think I, we just talked about the pandemic and coming back kind of reinvigorated. I feel very lucky that I got to do the house and we sold it, which was really oh, nice. Great. And I, you know, so my family got to take the money they put into it back and, um, and I got to have had a little project that I did over the pandemic that made me feel useful. <laughs> and you should now go into real estate and just like flip apartments. Mm. you're welcome it's a lot of work man it's a lot of work <laughs> you get like a bunch of broadway people together that's true there start. is a weird action of broadway people who love like design and and woodworking and and you know that i think it's all related isn't it like craftsmanship. we have planted the seed it's going to call yeah. it's going to be called what like rayburger construction <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> And your, what is it? Your symbol will be a burger. A burger. I know. I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to open a restaurant called Ray's Burgers. Really nice. cool, man. My stepdad's family is Italian. So I always had a dream of opening up an Italian restaurant called Aunt Joanne's because his aunt's name is Joanne. I love that. I love restaurants. Yeah, nobody knows that, but. Wow. I told you. Um, you. Okay. So what are your top going theater experiences? Wow. 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 Um, oh, I was thinking about that and um, I am obsessed with uh, Shakespeare in the park and seeing John Lithgow, 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 it's Lithgow. go, right? Yeah. Um, as King Lear is definitely one of my top theater going experiences i was more excited over the fact that annette benning was going to be in it <laughs> so Absolutely. And Jessica I, Hecht, my my darling jessica heck what a weird thing we actually i think we tried to get her for glass menagerie 
Yeah, I remember you saying that at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think our cast worked out perfectly. Well. Oh, it definitely worked out. Because yeah. I mean, Emily Skinner is just. I was a little intimidated by her, but oh, me too. <laughs> I was also really intimidated by Mary Testa, who's oh. lovely. She did Rabbit Hole with us. Um, yeah. yeah. If you want to talk about a great cast, I'm gonna just like name drop people now. Um, Julie Keenan Bulger, as you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Joanna Jackson, yep. Lauren Molina. Oh, yeah. Mary Testa and Andrew Berth Feldman. <gasps> wow. What a cat. I mean, that's, that's, send that to Broadway, cut print. Wow. I know. And we were all kind of like shitting ourselves. Like, how the fuck did we get these people to say yes, especially Celia? You should try to do that off Broadway or something. <laughs> if you know anyone. <laughs> I do have a list of shows that I would love to direct in yeah. person that I've Ooh. done things of, but I yeah. don't know how to get that off the ground. Wow. Well, I mean, having everything that you have, mm -hmm. all the readings and the recordings of them is really cool. Yeah. Archive. Um, we can't post them anywhere, but I do. Right, have but I just mean for you in terms of being a director. Yeah. Like, well, I actually got the American theater group from the shape of things so it was like oh. a year plus process of just like finally getting to do it because things kept getting delayed and then I didn't hear from the guy and then randomly he's like oh hey we're gonna do this now wow mm -hmm. is that funny how stuff like that happens you're like well nothing comes of that and then something does a year later yeah, yeah. and then here we are anyway so top going theater experiences okay so here uh, <laughs> um because I just thought he was incredible and that's my dream place to work. Um, yeah. Every summer I get real close and I've never gotten it. Um, maybe, maybe this will be the summer. This will be, no, I think I'm too late. I don't think, I, I think I might've missed it. Or maybe all. next year will be the summer. <laughs> maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Can I tell you the best production I've ever seen there? Please. And it, ironically, it was also the best seats I ever had. They did a production of Cymbeline in the park with Lily Rabe. Hamish oh, later. Um, I think Patrick Page, Kate Burton, and Raul Esparza. Kidding me? And Raul Esparza had like a Vegasy jazz number at one point in the show. Oh, he's I, I'm such a big fan of his. I just yeah, this I'm also such a big fan of Lily Rabe and Hamish Linklater, yeah. uh, who are a married power couple, mm -hmm. and um, they're both on this show that I've just been watching. Mm -hmm. that I can't remember the name of, and they're both incredible on it. It's a scary TV scary show. show. Yeah, yeah. Scary show. I don't do scary, um, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's really good. It's not scary like a horror movie. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, mm -hmm. it's like a emotional thriller, I would say. Yeah. Um, but they're I both. Do, I used to do a really good impression of her when she was in Merchant of Venice because I did merch for that show. Oh, uh-huh. I can't remember the character's name, but she would go, you are welcome or something like that <laughs> so that was my lily raven impression. i wish i'd seen it yeah um, i'm such a fan um and then i midsummer at, at with danny was so fun did you see that no oh, well, the thing is, is because i refuse to like sleep out overnight in central park or just wake up at whatever time so if i don't win the lottery for it then i'm not gonna go i guess i got lucky i think i stood in line and just happened to be there on a day where the line wasn't wasn't a you know all morning situation wasn't um, Felicia Rashad also in that? Yeah, and she yeah. was amazing. Um, talk about a presence. Um, yeah, and oh, I will say that. So I saw 
the dre- the invited dress of Merrily We Roll Along, the fiasco production off Broadway, a couple seats away from Stephen Sondheim. And that was just so cool because I loved that production of it. And mm-hmm. also to see him at whatever age, you know, in his mid nineties, yeah. to be that invested. And I know this now from people who have worked with him. I mean, I've never, I never got to work with him in that capacity, but like, uh, he was so interested in, in things growing and changing mm-hmm. and people trying new things and to see him like cry through a yeah. new production of Merrily We Roll Along was like such a special, wild experience. Well, I mean, before we started, we were talking about the new revival of company Yeah. in regards to that and them doing the gender swap and everything as well. So in regards to that, a friend of mine was talking about the biggest problem she had with the production. And she's like, it's not that big of a thing, but it really bothered her was when um, Bobby says to Jamie, why don't we marry each other? So like, mm. leave us alone. And she goes, why is she saying that to a gay man? So that was like the thing that she just couldn't really get past. I guess I'm just, I, I, and I, my, my thought, it was like in 2022 is like sexuality is a spectrum and, and yeah. who knows if he, you know, he's in a, in a gay relationship, but yeah. maybe there's some history there or something. Yeah. Um, I, mean, my, I didn't take it that way. Like I understood what she was saying, but I think it was more of just like, you and I don't want this. Why don't we right. just get married? And then like, everybody can just leave us the, I mean, I have a backup at 40, but right. I mean, I'm yeah but I didn't take it that way and it's really interesting to hear everybody's perspective and especially when we were talking about it earlier about how it being a female and how the gender norms change because of it and Mm -hmm. I think that's and I think they spoke about it that's probably a large reason why they did it and the different aspects and I think she also had a problem with Joanne offering up her husband Larry to Bobby as opposed to in the original production where she would say to Bobby like why don't you and I get together Right. No, I think those are the two biggest yeah. issues that they had to deal with when changing the gender. Yeah. Of it. And, and I don't know how successful they were for everybody, but for some, I, I just enjoyed it a lot and I was able yeah. to kind of just roll with it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And there were parts of it that I felt like were really, really new and interesting because of that change. And then other parts were like, it almost felt more dated when you're having all these people tell this woman, <laughs> that her yeah. you know quote unquote biological clock is running or something you're like well okay but I, I did I loved it you know I thought it was a great production and the people in it were were pretty wild and yeah. I, also the most fun I've ever seen Patty Lapone have on stage like she's ridiculous in it in the best yeah. way yeah and even her interpretation of because she did the part at the Philharmonic right. and obviously she won the Olivia in London um, but just like to see how different her Joanne is compared to like what you saw her do uh, the Philharmonic so many years yeah. ago it was really interesting too. And there was like one part of the song that she even looks directly at Bobby for. And it's like, that's a really interesting choice that she, I don't remember what part it was, but Neither. I just remember her having that moment. And I also found it really interesting that there were some like Alice in Wonderland factors to the show yeah. as well. It was so weird and cool. Yeah. It's very <laughs> Marion Elliott, but yeah. in a great way. Yeah. 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 Did you see her production of Angels in America? I did not. No. Okay. Um, wait, is that the one that was? That was with Andrew Garfield. Oh, I saw it on Broadway HD. 
<laughs> I, uh, I sighed at 42nd Street myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think my friend and I sat at one of the parts sat behind uh, John Cameron Mitchell. I mean, we're like, that's John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. I thought that Nathan Lane was just next level in that. I saw the, I saw it twice on Broadway and I purposely, I like sitting close sometimes because I really like details. I also love a tchotchke. So I love a prop and his mug that he's drinking out of in the office when you first meet him, because at the end of, because he has that line where it goes in my next life, I want to be an octopus, a fucking octopus. He's drinking out of an octopus mug. No way. Yeah. So you see the octopus mug in the beginning of the show. And then like later on and whatever part it is when he's saying he wants to be a fucking octopus. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool details. Eight loving arms and all those suckers. Yeah. What a good play. Yeah. So Um, what, what other, other than us going on a tangent about Shakespeare in the park? Um, Okay, so when I, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. we went, we took a trip to Michigan, we took a trip to Canada to the Stratford Festival, mm-hmm. and we saw Hamlet mm-hmm. and To Kill a Mockingbird. Obviously not this mm-hmm. <laughs> script, but a really good one. And that was, that was, I think, my sophomore year of, of high school. So that was kind of when I was like, I like this, but I don't know if mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the conceptual idea that it was something I could do as a career. And that was really formative for me, I think, to see like Shakespeare on stage um, for the first time like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was kind of blown away by it. And everyone, I think we saw them both in the same day. Oh, wow. Like, uh, to Kill Hamlet in the afternoon, which, you know, was three hours. And then we saw To Kill a Mockingbird. So all my classmates were asleep. And I was just like riveted crying watching To Kill a That's Mockingbird. <sighs> I used to have off on Wednesdays and I would see Wednesday matinees and it would just be like the fucking worst because all of the high school students just would not shut the fuck up <laughs> during shows. And I remember I saw Kiss Me Kate and I actually like said something to kids behind me and it was very nice about it. And I said, guys, listen, yeah. I know that you're like, this might not be your thing, but can you please not talk it's just like please don't. And so those kids I spoke to didn't say anything the second act, but like other kids did who were like right next to them. And I'm like, motherfucker. Like talking to each other or just like talking? Yeah, you know how like kids just like whisper and all that. And so I funny was- because I'd rather have them doing that than being asleep. Cause I will say that for um, both Shakespeare in Love and Pride and Prejudice, we did like 10.30 AM student matinees for just kids. And they both theaters were great about bringing in like local high school mm-hmm. people, especially Chicago. Like they, yeah. there's loads of people from all over Chicago. And um, the kids were really rowdy. Like, like yeah. especially because in Shakespeare in Love, like there's a whole like sex scene where we're like making all these crazy noises and stuff. And and they kind of went wild. And But it was fun to, to have like, you kind of had to, as an actor, be like, okay, this is not a normal performance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just have to accept that I'm going to be very distracted the entire time and just do the best I can and try to have fun with that because it's mm-hmm. like, no one's going to listen to, but they would get involved over the course yeah. of it. And you're kind of like, wow, that's really special. Mm-hmm. And we do talk packs with them. And same with like when Elizabeth and Darcy finally kissed in Pride and Prejudice, the entire audience of kids would just like scream. Like that's <laughs> fine. But I'm talking about like when people are talking no, to each other. Just show. Yeah. yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, we had people who would bring like full dinners um, to Fiddler on the Roof and just eat them in the mezzanine. Do you <laughs> so, I was at, 
I, I haven't witnessed, I mean, I will say when I worked driving Miss Daisy mm. merch, I would always call it driving me crazy because there was always something that would happen. Like the bank would be short or we'd be out of bags. And there was one time, like somebody fainted 10 minutes before the show and they had to pull them out into the lobby. And the golden has a very small box office lobby. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then an ambulance came. And so that things I've witnessed, I will never forget that I was not there for this. There was one person who I did merch with who like, of course this happened to them. And of course, somebody gave him a free ticket to book of Mormon. And of course, like many mystical, wonderful things happened there. I think it's kind of known that when Grace was on Broadway with Ed Asner, Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon's real life wife and Paul Rudd, somebody in the mezzanine vomited into the orchestra. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I've heard of that. I've also heard of, you know, actors talking about how people would bring food and all that. Like last time I saw- You had a lot of problems in Fiddler with people recording the show. Yeah. Okay. It's on YouTube. Right. But there would be like, bright lights and so and then like we would try to tell people like hey can you get someone to go out there and it's just such a big theater that it would be hard to like translate the message from like backstage to front of house and well you know it's so with take me out they have uh those yonder bags oh because there's male nudity in it and Uh you know you know there are people who see shows because there's a well-known person in the show And if that's the case, they'll, you know, and a large majority of the time, at least in my experience or my opinion, is that let's say, you know, people who are going to see Hugh Jackman on Broadway probably aren't your necessary everyday theater goer like we are. You know, it it might be somebody who's like a huge fan of Wolverine and they get to go see Wolverine on Broadway, but they don't know anything about theater or theater etiquette. So, you know, they're not going to know how to behave and they might take photos and shit during a show. So I'm sitting next to this woman who's actually an actress and she and I were having a conversation about these yonder bags. And I'm also like probably 30 years younger than she is. Uh And she was kind of going off a little bit, not in a bad way, but like in a deep discussion about Mm -hmm. how she thinks that these yonder bags are making theater goers, like dumbing them down. And she's like, you don't think people are going to turn off their phones and, you know, it's making them seem this way and that way. And I was like, no, I don't (laughs) actually, I don't think that's necessarily a thing because then people who do see, you know, there's people who take photos and videos and record things and, you know, and I was trying to explain that, but she was just very like with her opinion. And ironically, in the honor bag, somebody's phone still went off. Whoa. I tell you, 99% of the time I see a show, there's always a phone going off. I don't know if it's me or whatever. No, it's just always the case. Yeah. I mean. I will say, though, I went to see the last time I saw Moulin Rouge. I took myself. I want to take myself out for my birthday. Like the day after my birthday, um, I went to a matinee and there was a a dog there. And the dog was so well behaved, too. I was Uh. like. Nice. And some people were like, oh, there's a dog. I was like, I think that dog will be fine. And it was. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. other top going experiences in your um, theater? Well, I will say that uh, it just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. I skipped my homecoming in high school to see Mandy Patinkin uh, in concert. Can which, I make uh, you super jealous? Really goes to show you. 
Yeah, I am friends with the ticket taker at the Barrymore. So he got me in for free for an evening with Patty Lapone and Mandy Patinkin. And I had really great seats, but also I saw it on a matinee. So it technically wasn't an evening. I saw that one from a box mm-hmm. um, and just that, that was a top going theater experience for me also, for sure. When they did, when they did the whole um, carousel sequence together, oh, just the two of them doing carousel, like who they are and at their age was just like so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, it's either Shakespeare or Mandy Patinkin for me, I think. <laughs> wow. How many times have you watched this Sunday in the park with him in, uh, what's her name? Bernard just Peters? Countless, countless times. Yeah. He, to me, he'll always be in Diego Montoya. See, what's really funny is that's the like one man Patinkin thing I've no. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, you of all people not seeing The Princess Bride is kind of shocking to me. <laughs> oh, How dare they? Um, no, of course I've seen that. Well, I just, um, I, th- I was thinking of, 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 of uh, Evita. Oh, is his I, other um, I haven't seen Evita. I also was not born when it was out and maybe I'll buy get a New York Public Library card and just go to Lincoln Center and watch it. <laughs> yeah, the the other time he played a, 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 a Latinx character that he probably shouldn't have, but um he would probably have been a very good Tevya. I thought about that all the time. Yeah, not, not certainly wouldn't want him to take over from Danny because Danny was the absolute goat. But I will say though, I know there was like, sorry, I'm talking over you, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying it is wild that he's never done it. I mean, he is Tevya. He's like a a crazy guy who talks to God and like, and and, and speaks in English. (laughs) And that stars in the house marathon that they did, he and his wife who are like huge on TikTok now, um, they Brody. were talking and then he started to sing somewhere over the rainbow i believe in yiddish and i was like oh. it was stunning have you heard his yiddish album no oh it's so good listen i'm a i say i'm jewish i don't know a lot of yiddish i had to ask my grandmother in college what some yiddish words meant for this play i did but yeah i learned a lot uh of, did you of, see the fiddler in yiddish i did yeah. i did loved it we had we had a couple people that transferred over to that not transferred but you know like yeah. we're also involved in that and i think because i'm i i've heard that it was beautiful for everybody but i think because i knew every word by heart going yeah. to see it i was so emotional i saw it with another castmate and we were both just like puddles mm-hmm. the entire time yeah. i think because it was and also the guy who played Tevia was our laser wolf for a month. Yeah. And um, he was just magical and it totally different from Danny, just a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. And just like, so fun to see someone else's take. Um, and uh, I don't even remember. Oh, I just, yeah, I learned a lot about Jewish culture. I learned a lot about a lot of Yiddish words during Fiddler. It was so fun to be in a primarily yeah. Jewish setting with people mm-hmm. who were really invested in, in, their Judaism. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminded me, speaking of Andrew Kober, he, <laughs> I think he tweeted something like laser, laser wolf was created. So this person could fly. It's going to bother me now. I had to look at this tweet because you mentioned, like, laser wolf and I I it, but I kind of love it. Um, 
again, this, this podcast is solely an Andrew Kober, um, Stan account now. Yeah. I guess I got to meet him now. He doesn't even know who I am. Um, maybe he does. I don't know. Laser Wolf walked so Borat could run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This tweet is basically for nobody. That's really funny. Um, it's for me and you. Yes. Um, well, I don't have a Twitter, and if I did, I would definitely have said. Well, you can see from my use of all social media that I'm a real frequent <laughs> poster. Well, I mean, I do I do have the reading series Twitter access account, but I did not run our social media. I mean, oh, I really? posted Instagram stories, but I never like posted any because you know, in rehearsal, you keep yeah, it's dressed. totally. So, any other top goings? Mostly Shakespeare in the Park and Mandy Patinkin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I could go on and on. I mean, I just, I, I, everything's top going for me, but uh, we I saw that's some... the point of this podcast is to like <laughs> geek out about theater. Well, talk to, okay. So you said your first Broadway show was South Pacific yep. and I saw that production six times. Mm. I, my dream is to play Nellie Forbush one day. Oh, totally. I love South Pacific so much. I, again, I also love, I mean, the show's definitely not without its problems, but that's also, <laughs> what it was back in the day and it was just oh i'm conveying over that production oh absolutely i loved it Mm -hmm. did you see kelly and did you see the original cast in it Uh, all the original cast yeah yeah Yeah. i did not see matthew morrison clearly i just don't want to see him in anything other than hairspray on broadway (laughs) he was great because i missed him in piazza too which is my all-time favorite musical oh i've only ever seen the recorded version with aaron lazar which is also really good yeah Um, I but, saw that on Broadway four times. It's uh, just, I, it's my favorite. And that was <laughs> when I was a freshman in college, I, we had to take as a part of like the theater major, we had to do um, tech classes and the professor for that, who was also my acting professor, his class, he actually took backstage to the Vivian Beaumont. And that's when Light in the Piazza was on Broadway so I got to stand on the stage and then this girl who was my scene partner at one point in acting class filled Red Bull on the stage oh very cool very cool like how dare you it's <laughs> in the piazza this is the Vivian Beaumont but yeah it was yeah we had to we had to like rope people off and not let them on the stage and fiddler because of all the things that were getting broken uh- <laughs> oh no I remember because we would have to exit through the stage door I think yeah yeah you remember that yeah yeah um yeah, but it was that by the stage door person. Like when the show kind of first started, they're like, "What are you?" I was like, "I'm merch." They're like, "You can't come in this way. You have to go in through the front." It was like, oh, "Okay, nobody told me." Yeah, so, that at the beginning funny. of our shifts, we would go in through the front, but then we would exit through. The oh yeah, theater well that makes the sense. Stage door. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was just really cool that that was the first. I mean that that was the whole same team, same you know Bart, the lighting yeah. designer, the sound designer, Scott, everybody. Um, who did Fiddler. And so to like be like, this is my first role role in a Broadway show, had that little, yeah. you know, nice uh, uh, full circle moment was really special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any other, any other things before we move on to the next list? No, no. No, okay. Right, next list, other than Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Top, not True. Todd, dream roles. Dream roles. Dream roles. 
Well, I mean, yeah, Sweeney Todd is definitely up there. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the things that kind of got me into like, oh, this type of voice and this type of thing is is in musical theater. Um, and uh, I mean, I would love to do Sunday in the Park. I feel like this is every like guy in musical theater wants to do George and, and Sweeney, but um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, based on some of the podcasts I've done, it's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think like, I, my like real dream roles are, are all the ones I'll get to do in like 30 years. Like I, I want to be in death of a salesman. Unless you do it regionally, like your friend, Emily has the drowsy chaperone. Right. I don't know if you can get away with playing Willie Loman until you're kind of. Uh, well, maybe something. if it was a college production. Sure. Right. Put on, yeah. I had to put on old lady makeup and like gray in my hair when I was 21. So I got it. Well, I'll go back to do a college production of, of, uh, of, <laughs> of that um but i, I want to play like some of the some of the the big shakespeare bad guys like i want to do iago you're that you can still you can do at this age oh yeah totally totally yeah, yeah. um did you yeah. see speaking of death of a salesman did you see the production they did with philip Seymour hoffman oh i i don't remember what it might have been like the year i think it was the year i moved here mm. I, it was like 2013 maybe so i don't think i was able to see it but um no, I really wanted to. Um, I, I actually, that. I'm going to make everyone who listens jealous because I am friends with the ticket taker at that theater. Yeah. He's my babushk. Um, <laughs> he, they didn't have merch, but I oh. have a poster from that <gasps> show. Wow. And I also have a pin that says like no phones or something. Mm. And I think he like gave me another like opening night gift for it. I don't, it's somewhere probably in like a bag of, Broadway stuff I have I have a bag of bunch of window cards that I don't even know what I have and I'll look I'm like oh I didn't realize I had this yeah yeah but I have death of a salesman yeah yeah Yeah. I I wish I could have seen it it was amazing right it was fantastic I will say like that was when Andrew Garfield made his Broadway debut and I and I love Andrew Garfield I've been a fan of him since he did this movie called Boy A which he won an orange BAFTA for. So when I was in college, I worked at this theater at my school called Schimmel. And that's where they do, or they did inside the actor's studio. Um, And for a bit of time, they had the Tribeca Film Festival. So one of the films that was there was this movie called Boy A. And I was like, who is this person? He's very attractive. So I did my internet Google search of him. It's like, oh, cool. He played Romeo. He was this. So when they announced him as Spider-Man, my reaction literally was like, oh my God, it's the guy from Boy A. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. When he did it on Broadway, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like him in the show. And then second act, I'm like, I'm good. He's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a weird casting. <laughs> like, like, you know, you, the character's normally like captain of the football team kind of guy. Um, yeah. But I think that probably is what made it really interesting that he played it. Um, kind of like when John Malkovich did it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I wish I could have seen it. I, I thought he was, he's such a great actor. I've never seen him live on stage, but. Yeah, he, um, well, Angels in America, he was just. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, there was no way that he was not going to win that Tony Award. Wow. I wish that I entire production and that cast was just incredible. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I just feel like I was missing something by not seeing it live, but I still loved it watching it on the recording well now you just have to make sure that's why i made sure i bought myself a ticket to see the music man in 2019 
um, because I didn't want the same thing to happen that happened with Hello Dolly, where I didn't see Bette Midler. So I was like, I need oh, to buy a yeah. ticket. I don't care where I'm sitting. I know that theater very well from doing merch at Mamma Mia. Like, even if I'm all the way off on the side, I think the seat is fine. People are like, it's horrible. I'm like, well, at least I'm in the building. That's so, totally. Yeah. So yeah. I made sure I got, but there's like certain things where I'm just like, I, kn- I know I need to see this because if I don't, then I'll regret it. So that's how I felt about when I saw Once, mm. which yeah. um, I tell the story every time anybody comes on the podcast about Once, but I love Steve Kazee. I've been a fan of his since I saw him in Spam a lot. And mm. I got one of those like mailers in the mail. And I was like, let me just get a ticket for this because if I don't, I will never see it. And I did something at intermission that I've never done before. And I haven't done it since. And I went to the box office and I got myself a ticket to see the show again before <laughs> even seeing the second act. Wow. So yeah, but that's an example of like, I just need to see it or else like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do need to see music, man. I, I, when I was in uh, junior year of high school, I did Oklahoma for high school mm-hmm. and that was, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't know really how to act. So my way to act was just to watch somebody else do it and copy everything they did. So I did a very good for high school shot for shot recreation of Hugh Jackman in Oklahoma. Nice. So I've, I've always been, a huge, yeah, I've always yeah. been a huge, um, Hugh Jackman in musicals. Yeah. I never, the only time I ever saw him on stage was when he did the river. Oh yeah. I didn't get to see that. Oh, I saw it twice actually. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he seems like the real deal as far as just a nice guy who also works really hard and is a genuinely good actor who also just happens to be like handsome and (laughs) and staff talk about they know things, nothing but nice things about him. He apparently like once a week buys scratch off tickets, like lottery tickets for front of house staff, like nothing but nice things have been said about Hugh Jackman. I once, uh, I once went to a reading of a, a new musical downtown and and he, I don't know. Oh, I do know why he was there because um, Kayla Settle was in it. Mm-hmm. And um, he rode in on his scooter and he just closed it up and he, I, the only thing I remember is that he held open the elevator door for me and was like, come on in. And I was like, ah, oh, Hugh Jackman. Awesome. Yeah. And then, we, yeah, we watched a, um, a, a musical together. That's awesome. Maybe you, one of your dream roles is to be in a musical with Hugh Jackman. Sure. I don't know what I would do in that musical, but. You can, listen, you can be in the ensemble, you oh, know. Of course. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fine. I think yeah. actors at this point just want to work. Absolutely. Even if you were like a lead, look at Jessica Lee Goldwyn who took over as Nini. I really want to see her as Nini. So that's why I'm like itching to go back to Moulin Rouge. Yep. And I also want to see like the majority of the rest of the cast before they leave. But, you know, she was in a chorus line. She played Val and then she played Cassie. And then she went in, I did not see the show, but she went into Tuck Everlasting. And I think she was in the ensemble. Yeah. You know? Stuff like that happens. So any other dream roles that we have? I think we left off at Iago. Stuff at Iago. Um, I mean, some of my big, like, like, I feel like I'm really on this boring guy track, but like, I want to be like Javert and and Les Mis. That would be a a dream role. Mm -hmm. You know what I was obsessed with that I'm so glad it's coming back. Did you see Girl from the North Country? Yes. I love that show so much. And I want to play Nick, the dad. 
um, someday. Um, I, you or, are, give yourself 40 years. No, that's too old. Give yourself 20. <laughs> I just aged you so much. 20 or 30 years uh, yeah. or the Mark Kudish part in like 15. Yeah. Mm. That was the last show I saw the, before the pandemic hit. Me too. I saw it like March 9th or 10th. Preview. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. It's been a pull. Like I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, yeah. You're wrong. Objectively, it's incredible. Well, okay. <laughs> Here's my thing. Again, this is <laughs> actors working their asses off, and mm-hmm. I say this also as somebody who fucking loves the musical. Once it is one of the two shows that has a very deep, special place in my heart. Yeah. There are a lot of people, and I was not a fan of In the Heights, and I get a lot of shit for it. Yeah. And I think, and it was funny, I was talking to somebody about it last night too, when they, I mentioned something and they were like, what? And I was like, have you seen this? And they said, no. And I said, okay. And I said to them, I think at this point, like, I don't judge what people like and they don't like, because there are so many things that I've seen and like that people didn't. And, you know, it's vice versa and everybody has like their own feelings of stuff. And just because I didn't like something doesn't mean that the next person, you know, girl from the North country just didn't speak to me in the way that everybody else spoken to. And I totally, and my ex work husband said it the best where he says, it's like taking death of a salesman and staging it like the musical once. And that's girl from North country. (laughs) And that sounds like my, my dream. Like, wow, that is perfect. Describe that to me, I'd be like, put me in that. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say though, that guy who plays the boxer, Austin something, he, even Mayor Wedding, where, what's her last name? Mayor Winningham. Yeah. I was like, if she doesn't win a Tony for this show, I mean, they were, Remarkable. like I said, the cast was incredible. Just the show itself was not for me. That's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've heard that from a lot of people. I've, yeah. I know people who have loved it and people who have felt the same way. And yeah, like you said, I think everybody enjoyed some aspect of it, either a performance or something. But yeah, it, it's a very, I mean, it's a, it's Not a, a heavy tough show. show. It's, it's heavy. Yeah. It's, it's long and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, that's kind of, yeah, where I, where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, is there any like happy roles you want to play? Oh, wow. Huh. There you go. Yeah. Um, I just realized because both of your Broadway shows, very not happy endings. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. I definitely like well, doing... I mean, you did do Pride and Prejudice, you know, mm-hmm. that's happy and drowsy chaperone. Yeah. I would say that for 90% of the time, uh, uh, he's not a very happy guy. Well, I said um, the show, not him. Well, the show is happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drowsy chaperone. I think whenever I get and to Fiek do... And is not a sad person. It's just the show itself was... The show is, is very sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are... I have wanted to, I've auditioned for it so many times. I want to play the Dysquith family in, um, in Gentleman's Guide. I love Gentleman's Guide so much. And all those roles are another so brilliant fun. show. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of like big, broad musical theater stuff that I just love. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would love to be in the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, which character though? I know I'm kind of in between. I think personality wise, I'm more of a Leo, mm-hmm. but I think in like 20 years, I might be able to play um max um i just thought of something that i've never asked anybody before yeah oh wow what female role 
or roles would you want to play? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I mean, I, I kept teasing Emily about this because I genuinely think I would be very funny as the chaperone and the drowsy chaperone. I think like, next time you do a cabaret, you, cause you've been a part of the cabarets, like parts I didn't get. Yeah. Yeah. Sing the drowsy chaperone. I, that I didn't make that connection and thank you because yes, I will. Um, but yeah, it's just such a fun part. And I think there is totally a, a world in which it could be, I mean, either a guy in drag or just a, a guy. Yeah. And it could be kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that would be, that would be up there. Um, I, I would love to play Mrs. Lovett. I could do a, I could do a schizophrenic Sweeney Todd and play both. Listen, did um, you see Alan Cummings Macbeth? Yes. Oh my God. Obsessed with that. Yeah. I have to tell you, I loved his interpretation of Lady Mackers, how she used her sexuality, because yeah. you don't really see it that often played that way. And I thought that was really interesting. He's a, I'm such a fan of his. I'm, I think yeah. he's a great actor. Um, wow. That's a good question. I got to put some thought into that because there's definitely, definitely parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I always wanted to do the, uh, the Brian, uh, what's his name? Brian Bedford. He passed away, but he did importance of being earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I did, I did the lady, uh, what's her name? Lady Bracknell scene. <laughs> I don't um, know the importance of being earnest that well, oh. but I do. I know it's more of a you show, but um, <laughs> I do, I do know what you're talking about. I know that Santino yeah. was in it. Sant- like, I know, yeah. but Santino Fontana, I know did that on Broadway. Another great great actor oh yeah. my god he's so great in Maisel this season do you watch it have you watched I do, it but I haven't watched this recent season so cool I also love Luke Kirby who plays Lenny Bruce he did this movie 10 years ago called Take This Waltz so I have referred to him as the hot guy from Take This Waltz but the last episode of this season if he does not win an Emmy award for it I am going to be so pissed off the because, first season that he's in, yeah. I was just like, well, he won an Emmy for it. Oh, I didn't know that. I, just, yeah. I was like, how are you doing this? You are this person. And then I just saw him in that movie where he plays Ted Bundy. And when I saw that casting, I was like, he doesn't yeah. look or sound like Ted Bundy. And then the same thing, the minute he came on screen, I was like, oh my God, that's Ted Bundy. Yeah. Like he was a trans. Like, the whole Ted Bundy thing creeps me out. Cause I watched that movie with Zac Efron where he played Ted Bundy and I'm still, uh, you know what, like really, so, and I say this cause I'm, I can't look at him anymore is Sebastian Stain in that movie Fresh. I haven't With, seen Fresh. It, I've seen parts, I'm not a horror fan, but um, I kind of fast forwarded through it. It's with him and Daisy Edgar Jones, who is in Normal People. And it, yeah, it's, ugh, he creeps me out so much in it. Isn't that funny when you see somebody and you can't really separate them from? <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I'm just so freaked yeah. out by him in that movie. That was, yeah, I was really impressed by Zac Efron. I didn't know he was that yeah. good of an actor, and I thought he was really good in that. I mean, the movie yeah. a little problematic. You're kind of like idolizing this terrible man and yeah. making the handsome Zac, Ef- Zac Efron, but he was really good as far yeah. as like acting goes. Well, I think that was the point because. Ted Bundy in life apparently was like very good looking, charismatic and all that stuff. So that's probably, 
you know, and Lily Collins character, like believed all of this stuff and she was finding out and that's how she became an alcoholic. And, you know, and he had all these like legions of women who loved him. Now we're talking about serial killers, but. It's <laughs> yeah. another dream role. I would yeah. love to be one of the, one of the serial killers on Mindhunter. Did you ever watch that? No, I know it's Jonathan Groff and who doesn't love yeah. Jay. You know what I found out the other day that like kind of upset me, but it didn't, but it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I'm still like processing my feelings. They share a birthday and they're the same age. It's Kara Knightley and Jonathan Groff. They're both 37. And I just like, don't, I can't like wrap, like it hurts my brain. Well, they're both 25 in my head. Yeah. I also Um, fucking love Kara Knightley. I have a a very good friend of mine who I used to do merch with, he used to be a drama desk nominee or a voter. So he would get free tickets to things. And he took me to see Therese Rican because he knows I love Kira Knightley. And he also took me to see Mackinall because Rebecca Hall was in that. And he also knows I love Rebecca Hall. And now she's married to her co-star Morgan Spector. That was one of the first things I auditioned for in New York. Oh, really? (laughs) Mackinall? Yeah. Oh, well, sorry. Oh, I mean, I was a very <laughs> odd show, but I think that was the point of it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, getting back to Luke Kirby, he did um, a play at the Park Avenue Armory called Judgment Day. And I got to see him in that too. And when mm-hmm. I went there, they're like, yeah, we updated your seat. And I was like, thanks. Awesome. Because I was going to sit like all the way up and they moved me closer. Just, I don't know why, but there we go. Wow. Anyway, so just like really depressing dream roles that's it really like, no oh, yeah, we're talking about female roles drowsy shot maybe you want to play happy females maybe that's the justification just what yeah i would love to do uh 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 tootsie that'd be fun oh, i fucking love tootsie both. well that's a male playing a female right 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 yeah yeah um yeah yeah would you want to play tootsie dorothy yeah Yeah. my male roles are um freddie benson in dirty rotten scoundrels oh yeah 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 and claude and hair oh that's a good one those would be my two male roles what are your what are your dream dream roles for for you oh well clara and piazza because clearly that will be a thing um and nelly forbush yeah, right, right. South Pacific and Claire in Proof. Oh my gosh. Wow. And yeah. um my God, why can't I think of the name in the ferryman? I don't know, but that's another dream role of mine too. Yeah. I um, saw that show twice and I just it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen on Broadway. Me too. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a dark three hour long play. Oh my, it's, and it's funny too. So the first time I saw it, I saw it with a guy friend and we said, um, rear left orchestra and the ending happened and we were like, Oh, and then I bought myself a ticket to see it again, even closer. And I still know, I knew what was going to happen, but I was still like shocked about it. Caitlin Carney. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've been working on my very bad Irish accent in preparation of one day playing that part. Oh, what a good. What a great show. Yeah. Good yeah. part. Well, it's funny yeah. too, because when I was in London five years ago, um, it was actually playing in London and I was like, I know this is coming to Broadway, so I don't want to see it. 
and it wasn't even announced but i'm like this show's gonna come to broadway and that's it so with the cast too which is great yeah yeah i saw it with that cast and then i saw it with brian darcy james and the new people and it was really good both times i did not see the new cast but anything with brian darcy james is great i'm yeah 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 but that show is just and lauren donnelly who played caitlin carney her partner is Chaz Butterworth, and she was also in The River with Hugh Jackman, which was a Chaz, yeah, so I saw her in that, and now she's on this HBO show that they had the first half of the season called The Nevers, which I watched because she was in it, and Tom Riley, who was in Arcadia. If I see somebody in a show and I like them, then I kind of like follow their careers. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so he's in that, and yeah, that show ended up being weird. But I'm still waiting for like the other half of the season to come out. It started. It looks. It looks good. I haven't seen it. And then I found out it's a Joss Whedon show, so now I'm kind of like, ooh. Right. Huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for our actor studio question? Ooh, I think so. Okay. Are you ready? Um, I think so. <laughs> this is a questionnaire by Bernard. I can never remember who the person is who originated this. Okay. I haven't seen him do that in a long time, but he's always like, yes, this is a thing by Bernard Sasson. And he's like, I remember sitting. So I used to usher at this theater. That's how I worked there. And I also, like, I did a lot of things at that theater, such yeah. like house manager, did like the VIP seats for Actor Studio. So they had Conan O'Brien come on to do an episode and everybody front of house knew that like Conan O'Brien is like, I love him. So they stuck me with the MFA students to be like a seed filler and they did a song for Conan and James Lipton was going me, 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 me. And Conan goes, it's always about you, 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 you. (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. But I will say, I don't remember his actor studio that well, but I remember that Ray Fiennes had a, a really good Q&A. Like, mm. it was excellent. Okay. Um, what is your favorite word? Is it is it cheesy to say places? No. Like when? Nothing you know. is cheesy with this. I always find it very interesting to see what people are going to say. Yeah. Especially after... after um, not being in a show for um you know mm-hmm. our our reading being the last like acting <laughs> I think I did um uh you know what let's think of it this way like you just had the best experience working on our reading that nothing could top it so you're just like I just need to bow out like nothing is going to top this moment that's what I that's working what I was saying. with Emily Skinner as Amanda it actually was so cool <laughs> but yeah. um, but uh yeah yeah and and just to have them say places for the first time and be like oh my god we're about to do a show in front of people was just Mm -hmm. like we all had a moment of just feeling really excited and grateful great what is your least favorite word billionaires i feel like that's something we can really dive into but we're not going to (laughs) (laughs) what turns you on um I think I think like like um just passion like people who care about you know I don't care if it's theater or or if somebody has some job I don't care about but if they're interested in it 
you know, or not their job or just whatever their passion is. I don't know. I just think people who are passionate about, especially in theater. I mean, you know, you most people like, like I was saying, the entire cast of Glass Menagerie just like loved being there, loved doing that play, loved being with each other. And that was one of the most exciting environments I've ever been in. And then I have done other projects where it's like, especially on TV sometimes, you know, like I, I, I've slotted into some shows that have been around for a while and, and those people just are kind of like getting their paycheck. And of course it's not always true, but it, it can be. And just like, I just realized, I guess, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. I'm, reali- I'm waiting for the moment that you are on SVU. And so maybe you end up being the murderer and that leads into your role of, I'm waiting for that as well. I did, I did play a serial killer on elementary. I, I murdered. Oh, that's a, right. They found you out because of the wine. Because of the wine. I had poisoned yeah. pigs and, and women. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think, yeah. Passion, just mm-hmm. caring about stuff. I think, you know, I mean, I feel like people say this on Instagram and stuff all the time, but it's just, we are kind of in a period where it's cool to, not try and not care and and I think a lot of when especially young actors try to show up to something being like the cool person and I don't I just don't care I I want someone to be like nerdy about acting (laughs) and excited to be there you know yeah what turns you off well I guess then the opposite of that like apathy you know just people who don't who don't care and and who do um yeah people who think it's cool to to just kind of and I don't even mean like work hard or something like I I, obviously I I try to work hard at what I do but I just mean like caring about you know my best friend Emily who we've been talking about who is the Jazzy Chaperone we are exact opposites and she would say this to you as well like she was not a good student but she's a remarkable actor and I was an incredible student and and I'm you know I'm an okay actor too and um, we both come at it from the exact opposite place, but she really cares about it. You know, she just like, that's not the intellectual side of it is not her way in. And she's really smart. It's just, you know, the, that but thing there's is also, I think there's a thing where people can be book smart and people can be social smart. Exactly. And I think for me, like, I'm not book smart, but I'm very social smart, which leads oh. people to be like, you're so smart. I'm like, it's mostly just common sense. Oh, wow. So, See, I, yeah. I, I would assume you were both, but yeah, so that's, that makes Thank sense. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah, and 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 I yeah, so it doesn't have to mean like caring about, you know, getting the assignment done or working a certain way, but just yeah, caring. <laughs> so what is your favorite curse word? Damn it. Damn it. God damn it. Is that yeah. really a curse word though? Okay. I guess but- so. I don't know. A lot of people don't like God damn it. <laughs> people who love jesus um, right <laughs> but i don't know i i guess like yeah damn you to hell i think there's a lot of fun damn with damn a great one mine is fuck it's just great and easy fuck is great yeah and matt damon said it best because you can say it in so many different ways too you know yeah yeah that's true yeah or like yeah. fuck that shit that's a good one yeah podcast is about cobra your friend emily and cursing right (laughs) and you playing a serial killer like a serial killer yeah Yeah. very good uh what sound or noise do you love um when i was a when i was a kid 
we used to go to Florida um, mm -hmm. all the time, but we would drive there. And from Michigan? Michigan to Florida it was 24 Ooh. hours. And my dad would do it straight through. We wouldn't stop. So we would all, my mom, Not sister, and I. Well, sure, to pee, but I mean, not at a hotel. So we would all just lay back in our seats and sleep while my dad pounded coffee and just drove all the way. But there's something about, we would always pack the car the night before and then get up at like 3 a.m. And then, you know, us kids would go back to sleep. And something about like being in the car in the early morning, especially if there's like light rain on the roof, that's my favorite. I still get it now. Like sometimes when I have to be up early and drive somewhere, even mm -hmm. though I'm not going on a trip, I'll just kind of hear that sound and get excited. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's weird. I kind of had something similar with the smell yesterday, not like a smell I love, but, um, I always said I have, I've always said I've had nine lives with jobs. And like, right after college, I got a job at a hedge fund as a oh, receptionist wow. at the Hearst building on Park yeah. Avenue. Um, so, you know, if you're heading south in, on Park Avenue, there is that building and right behind it is the huge MetLife building. Yeah, so I, know what you're I was in that area yesterday and I was walking by it and the smell just hit me and it brought me back to when I used to work there. Didn't they say, don't they say that smell is like the strongest associ memory associator or something? I think so. It reminds yeah. me of this movie called Someone Like You with um, Hugh Jackman and oh. Ashley Judd and she's in a relationship with Brett Kinnear and he dumps her and it's a like it's a kooky movie where she has this like fantasy that she goes to this doctor and she's saying she wants something removed from her nose because this specific scent reminds her of Greg Kinnear's character and she's like so I was just thinking if you can remove this and I can't smell it'll give me some sense of normalcy to have a normal life so I don't have to smell the smell anymore to remind me of this guy who broke my heart Jeez. yeah it's like um what's that movie with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet it's like a light oh, version Channel of sunshine of a spotless ah. mind I'm sure that's getting turned into a stage show at some point oh, sure that, yeah. that would work yeah, yeah. um what, what sound or noise oh should we continue on yeah what sound or noise do you hate I feel like everybody says this, but at my old apartment, I used to live right at an intersection. And at any time, like trucks would stop, their brakes would just like all the way to the, the and I, my room was the front window. So I just feel like all night I would just hear large trucks squealing to a stop. And that's my least favorite sound. And now you just have peacefulness where you are. Because I have one window facing the back of the building. Yes. Yeah. Well, also like where you're located, it's very, it's very calm. It's, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful over there. Uh, what profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Which I feel like we've already spoken about, but. Yeah. Well, either be in an orchestra or be a music director. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say oh. flipping houses. Oh, see, I don't think I could do that for a career. It's, it's yeah. too much for me. <laughs> Can you still play the French horn? Oh, I played for seven years. I was first chair. I was really good, you know, for, for high school, but then I got braces mm -hmm. and then I was getting, I was starting to take acting so seriously that I kind of, when Maybe I got you my braces. like start doing it and you can play in some like Broadway orchestra pits. Hey, I mean, but that would, and that show's not going anywhere. People, people, that's the problem with that is like, I would love to be a music director, but people do that. You know, people go to college for 10 years to do that um anyway but yeah well, I should, i'm gonna say this you know you know plenty of actors 
And you can just start slowly building something saying like, hey, I want to start musical directing. Holler at a boy. And see. I play the piano, so. <laughs> then I have nothing for you. Okay. Um, what profession would you not like to attempt? Oh, um, I feel like I've thought about this. I can't. I think, oh, yeah, like Wall Street or anything in finance. Mm -hmm. That just sounds terrible. Unless it was like a musical or a stage play. Mm. Then you would be fine with that. Like Enron. I have no idea. Yeah, only if, only if I was the bad guy. If I yeah. if I was like, you know. So like moving forward in your career, you're only allowed to play the bad guys. Honestly, I would love that. Pigeonhole me, pigeonhole me into that. Tell everyone I'm fine. Like one that. of the nicest guys you will ever meet, and he plays such an asshole. Oh, hey, I'm taking that as a compliment. Well, they always say that like the nicest people are always like the best ones to play like the bitches or like the really horrible humans. You feel I, I just like I don't get angry very often in my real life, but I'm great at being angry on stage. I get that. I think Benjamin Walker said it best when he was playing Patrick Bateman. In mm -hmm. a, he was doing, I think, an interview with like Paul Wontorek. And he was like, I think we all have an we all have a little inner Patrick Bateman in us. For sure. um, and finally, mm -hmm. if heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, the master class with Laurence Olivier starts in five minutes. And these are your students. Thank you. That was my really bad James Lipton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but <clears throat> if I'm just taking it face value and playing the game, then yes, that's what I would want. Well, you know, what's interesting is that I can't remember because there have been times where he's had people on the show who aren't religious and don't believe in that stuff. And he would ask them that question in a particular way, but I don't remember how he asked it. Yeah. I don't remember him ever doing that. Um, I mean, obviously he did. Yeah, off the top many, of my many head. questions many many yeah. works and but I remember like watching inside the actor studio when I was younger and I remember like sitting in a class in high school doing the questionnaire to somebody so it's always been a thing and oh I love the questionnaire yeah, yeah. I've never actually thought about my answers really until well it's funny because the questionnaire started because I when I first started the podcast I mean I didn't know like any Broadway people you know this reading stuff definitely has helped knowing yeah. a lot of people and having like everyone's emails how but did, um how many did you do all told 18 wow that is so cool yeah yeah well I'm sorry I fell off the face of the earth and didn't reach out to do any more oh it's okay. I mean I also emailed you, know you about I... a cabaret which you never responded to anyways <laughs> you did Mm -hmm. Oh, that was in my, um, that must've been in my, um, I'm not doing this anymore phase. I'm sorry. No, that was like, not, that was like September. And then I think when we tried to do the last one, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, if you want to oh, do another yeah. one, I'll do it. <laughs> I would, it okay. I would love to. The problem is it's expensive. Oh, sure. It's a matter of getting people to do the cabaret, like finding mm -hmm. performers and it's yeah. also a matter of getting people to come to the show sure. or like buying tickets. So that's kind of where the problem lies. 
I see. Um, and we did it for the actors fund too. So, I mean, it was, people were gracious enough to donate their time. And I mean, we had six performers and five out of the six actually did readings with us. And one of them I met at a bar and I asked them to do the cabaret and they said, yes. So, uh -oh. so that's how, and that's what their introduction was. I'm like this person I met at a bar and they said yes to doing this cabaret, welcome them to the stage. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, if you do another, you you have it on on authority here that I will respond to your email. Yeah, you also <laughs> have to teach me how to do a time step at some point. On stage in front of everybody. Oh my okay. God, no! I, I, I sang in this cabaret, and I <laughs> just remember saying to myself during the song, "I sound really nervous. I have so much vibrato. I said <laughs> the word green, and I'm wearing green." Vibrato is good. Green is good. <laughs> I, I realize like why I can't watch myself sing the song. And I realize why it's because I know I sound better than that. Mm. I, just, ugh, I can't. I mean, I feel that way a hundred percent of the time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever watched something and been like, I nailed that a hundred percent. I also like, didn't know what I was doing. I was like swaying with the mic as yeah. But do you feel like, and I don't know, like uh, well, how many cabarets you do on the regular, but I feel like everything I've done lately, I've been like, oh, right. Yeah. I like <laughs> how when everyone's like, it's person. like, what do you think? They go, you were a great host. <laughs> Is it, somebody just said something like that to me, like, oh, <laughs> well, I tapped and I roller skated in the show. And every time people are like, you're so good on the roller skates. And I was like, okay, but I, I rolled down onto the stage of the roller skates. I spent uh, probably like 24 hours of my life learning that tap number. Mm -hmm. Uh, didn't get yeah. a lot of compliments. Well, I think I also just told people, I'm like, oh my God, my singing. No, but. Oh, it is tough when you set yeah. people's expectation up like that and then they meet it and you're like, well, but I actually didn't want you. To. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, it's mostly, it was really nice because I'm, um, it's mostly like my very close friends who I go like a million miles a minute with them. And I do a majority of the talking when I'm with my friends which always, I'm like, why am I talking so much? Tell me about your life. And they're like, there's nothing to say. Uh, like, great. But um, no, I think it, my mom, she's like, I haven't stopped listening to it. And then I sent a clip to like my dad's side of the family and they all kind of, and my dad like flipped out with excitement. So that, I think that was the most important to me. Like, you know, my two best friends were there. Like one of them was the co-producer. My other friend like came. And so I literally have like two friends that I hang out with and they have other friends. So I spend a large majority of my time by myself in my apartment um, or just walking around the city because why not? Um, but yeah, so those are the people who like, it's more important to me what they think, you know? And when I like ran it during um, tech, everyone's like, that was great. And I was like, Cobra, because that was good. And I said, you were the only one I was nervous about. I really wasn't, but it's fine. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I would love to do another one, but we'll see what happens in a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be in uh, Florida from April 25th to June 26th. Wow. That's a long run of hood. Of hood. Well, half of that's rehearsal, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, still, that's a long, a nice little, uh, nice little run for sure. Make sure you wear your sunscreen. I know. I know. Can you say who else is in the cast or are you not allowed to? I don't know, actually. Um, you can tell me off podcast. 
Yeah, I'll tell you. you because, stay on once I well, stop they're just, they're just, um, I just found out like days that I got my official contract. So I think they're, they're you know, doing all of that right now. Yeah. So I don't actually know 100% for sure who's, who's doing it from the cast that I worked with. I think it's most of the same people. Um, it's a really like young, well, yeah, the, the idea I think is that it's kind of like a college troupe putting on a production of Robin Hood. So it does take place in Robin Hood times, but it also is with the, you know, framing device of us all being in a college troupe. Um, so it's, it's just like a really young, cool group of people. That's exciting. You're playing yeah. the bad guy, your dream. Yeah. All right, Nick. Well, is, before anything you want to ask me or final thoughts, you can say no. Oh. Final thoughts. I don't think I have final thoughts. Oh, I do. I always forget to ask this question, but final thoughts continue. And then I'll ask my question. Yeah, I, what is your question? I want to know your question. Why is theater important? Why do oh. you think theater is important? Majority of the time I forgot to ask this question and I always want to end the podcast with it. Oh, I wish I had a good succinct answer to that, but. Um, oh, I should have put it in the email saying this is what you should also think about. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, you know, we talked about, you made that joke about, was I like a, a guy who played football and then got an injury and then did this? And I, I really wasn't. I was like a pretty quiet, like bookish, nerdy kid who like would read in the back of the library. And um, I, I had, you know, I had friends and stuff, but I, I wasn't like a popular kid. And I think that theater, I became kind of cool in high school because I was like leads in musicals and obviously not for popularity reasons, but I just mean like it, it gave me my, my voice and my personality and, and my passion. And, and I'm, I think the only reason I'm, you know, good with people and, and stuff like that now and is because I got into this field. And I think that even when I've taught, even kids who don't end up going into this get a lot out of Mm -hmm. out of being exposed to the art form you know because it is about communication and I'm sure other people have said this on the podcast about you know there's just something different when you're in a room with people doing it for real than there is we're, we're so filled with all these with TikTok with mm -hmm. uh, you know film and TV and Instagram and everything and, and there's just something direct and special about being in the same space as the actors who do it and I, it's so funny I just listened to this um, I keep talking about Lawrence Olivier. I've been on like a real Shakespeare kick lately. You literally mentioned him like once in this podcast. You've mentioned <laughs> Andrew Cooper more than anybody uh, else. I honestly yeah. thought you were about to say, I know I mentioned this a lot. And I was like, yes, Andrew Cooper. Cooper, uh, love of my life. I've never met you. Um, I can make it happen. Be like, Cooper, I have somebody who wants to meet you. He was in Fiddler. Well, no, no, no. I don't want to meet him. I just okay. want to talk all the time no uh, <laughs> uh but he said something like you know he he when he started the national theater he was like i don't think there's any better oh, gosh what did he say i mean basically just like you know theater is the mirror to society and there's no nothing that gets closer to like showing people who they are than the theater and i think that's true i think like we go through all these crazy things politically and then we discuss them in movies and on tv and in in in, in theater and um i think like you know when when we talk about like arts being supported and stuff during the pandemic and all that stuff it's like 
well, I hope these people who don't want to put money towards it have never listened to any music on Spotify, have never watched a TV show, have never gone yeah. to see a play. Like we, this is such, so ingrained in everyone's life. And um, I don't know, I'm just rambling now, but I, I, I do think it's, um, I do think it's really important. It's changed my life and even seeing things now. I mean, I, I haven't gotten tired of it. Like I go to things now and I get that excited feeling that I got when I saw Sunday in the Park at 16. Like, it's just, you yeah. know. I, I, I think it's really exciting and special. Well, I think if you love it as much as we do, it's, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, like the show I'm seeing tomorrow, I'm just like, I'm seeing how I learned to drive for a sign of previews. Oh, <sighs> the two of I, them, boy. Well, the show has a very, it means a lot to me because I directed that play in college, Wait. my senior year. And I had a really, and I'm, Every time with this podcast, I always mention it. I had a really rough senior year of college. And just to try to direct a play was such a challenge. And mm-hmm. so I just have a very like special place in my heart for the show. I mean, it's about a very heavy topic, obviously, but like the whole experience of directing that. And I saw the off-Broadway revival at second stage like five or six times with like Norbert Leo Butts. Um, but to me is very important to see it, especially because it's Mary Louise Parker and David Morse who originated the roles. And like a couple of years ago, maybe like 10 or so years ago or less, they did like a reunion with the original cast with them and like the original actors who played the Greek chorus. And I just couldn't afford it. So I didn't go. So this, ca- it's a very big deal. So yeah. That, wait, that's tonight or tomorrow? That's tomorrow. Wow. That's why when I emailed you, I didn't say Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so exciting. You yeah. have to tell me how it is. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's great. But. I mean, I'm also seeing it again April 10th, front row, because of 30 under 35, because Ooh. I'm crazy. And I bought myself a ticket to see it again before, because I was like, I know I will see this show many times. Right. And you still have 10 years to use that 30 under 35. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm 25. Yeah. Anyway, any other final thoughts, questions, problems, concerns, life advice, fun jokes? Boy, boy. I don't think so. I wish I had some fun, fun jokes. Fun facts about yourself that we didn't already touch oh, on this podcast. I think you got you got a lot of it. I mean So we got your wanting to play bad guys and serial killers. Yeah. yeah. Love of Andrew. Sorry. My love of Nick Offerman and woodworking. Well, that was one, but I was going to say, um, Andrew Kober. Right. Yes. Cause this podcast is a Stan account of Andrew Kober and your friend, Emily. Yes. Yeah. And you're woodworking. Yeah. Which, and you can't, you did not build your loft because there's no space to do so. Yeah. But I did put it together. It was very complicated. So was it from Ikea, it was from, <laughs> it's from Pottery Barn teen <laughs> because you can't. You can't buy an adult loft bed. <laughs> you know, what's so funny. I'm very handy. I can put a lot of things together. So I have this like table that I should get rid of this bookcase behind me and the desk and my um, side table. I put that all together and there's a handyman who works in my building. And he's like, why didn't you call me to put this together? I was like, cause I'm very self-sufficient and I can put shit together. No big deal. Although he did put my, um, my headboard on my bed. So he had that. That's something I take a lot of pride in. Like when my friends need something put together, I can, I I always volunteer to do it. Um, I'm very weirdly 
handy and good and like can be very weirdly strong when I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I th- my final thoughts are, are, are thank you for doing this. I think this podcast is really cool and I've listened to a couple now and I really enjoy it. And I feel like you engage people in a cool way. And it's impressive that you put so much together. Cause like I said, I mean, I was obviously joking about, about, um, I know you were, <laughs> no, no, but even that, yes, that, but also quitting acting and stuff. And like, but that reading was really important to me at the time that it came. And yeah. I think it did a lot for a lot of people by, by mm-hmm. continuing to do that. And, yeah. and I needed the break, but I think for a lot of people, it did a lot. And it's really cool that you've, you've done all this over such a tough period of time. Yeah. And I just say, I don't think I, ju- I was so excited when you said yes. I was like, oh my God, he said yes. It was very exciting for me. <laughs> so, because I knew you from the, from doing it on Broadway, even yeah. though you studied and I was like, we yeah. had Nick Rayberger. So wild. That was so fun. Just, doing it with Erica was such a treat. She's yeah. so lovely. And we, I, not to toot our horns or anything, but we put on a really fucking fantastic reading in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Especially for a play that is like, you know, yeah, very long and complicated. Yeah. And can I also just say like, from my perspective, just working with actors who were like, yeah, let's rehearse. We will rehearse. We'll do it. You know? Yeah. We'll everything. It was so lovely. And just every, yeah. it was just, that was one of the loveliest experiences that I had Good. Yeah. working on a reading as I use air quotes or a play using air quotes. <laughs> Whatever, put this down. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to end this. You can stay on even though okay. I stop recording. Thank yeah. you for coming. I'm going to end this now. Thank you. Bye.